CD boy crooked cock. My fuck. Daddy, what's gut come me? What's gut come? <laughs> Go ask her. Oh, dude, when I wore, I don't know if there was, I think there was a picture from it, but I might have been kind of covered up because I had this. I wore the, I went out of control stupid on purpose last time I had, I went out because it was originally the original Skunk Fest date. And so when I went out to, to the show and come and take it in, in June, I wore fucking kitchen gloves with my full on Cobra mask and I had a. The Peter North Guncom shirt that you made underneath a Hawaii underneath like a Magnum PI shirt. It was pretty awesome. Yes. And a and a fisherman's Norman Golden Pond hat. It was probably the greatest single outfit I've ever put together. <laughs> yes. Norman. <laughs> Dude, that shirt All is right. fucking awesome. Are we on are we live yet or no? Yeah, yeah. Would that's how we started the interview? <laughs> yeah. Well, we can always cut. <laughs> well, we should we do a well, okay, we should do an official here's our real start. One, two, three, go. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode three of Eclectic Soundtracks Podcast. I said it right. Oh, you said it. Sweet. Your hosts here, Skunk Manhattan and Vic. And we have a long time friend of mine on tonight, Dave from Houston. What's up? Uh, I don't know if you want us to say your last name. Uh, It's your identity to remain anonymous. It's Corndog. 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 What I was thinking about... (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know. See, I didn't know if it was corn dog. I actually just had a corn dog for dinner. So, corn dog with a W, uh, or 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 a regular spelling. I don't know if this. Well, has the, been the W is yet. is silent. It's at the beginning though. <laughs> it's, <laughs> corn dog. It's, it's so Dave's. Uh, yeah, we can pronounce corn dog as incorrectly as I pronounced Orapa, which I learned to be nah. Papa, uh, Brazilian Papa. reggae group. Anyway. Dave and I, we've known each other for, my God, 20-something years since junior high. We're gonna, we, got, we got a lot of good stories. Um, but I was thinking about this with the whole corn dog thing. You have had, I mean, I've got, I've got you know, this whole skunk moniker, and I've got a bunch of alias kind of characters and, and you know, things that I have. Mm-hmm. You've had a lot of different nicknames over the year. In fact, like when we were going through high school and stuff, like every year, you moved around a bit, and every time you'd come back around, you had a different nickname. I did, yeah. I had um, <clears throat> I had quite a few. Big Cock was usually the one that stuck out the, the most. So it's like, <laughs> hey, there's Big Cock. I'm like, yeah, it's me. Big Cock was the one that was always consistent. That was the nickname that ever since uh, our first date together, I that's, always That's right. You're big like, cock. that guy's got a Big Cock. <laughs> I think <laughs> I gave you that nickname. I was like, hey, b- wow, Big Cock. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. um, so aside from Big Cock, though, I remember some of them were, uh, I think Zeke was when you were living in Waco. Yeah. I specifically remember Fruit Loop from high school, senior year in high school. Yeah. So that's that's a weird one because I don't I don't remember exactly how that one, that happened. Because you used to eat Fruit Loops every day, I think? Well, yeah. So I remember having like a box of Fruit Loops in my backpack, but I don't remember why they were there. I don't know if, if drugs played a played a part in that, <laughs> but I do remember there was there was a box of Fruit Loops and it, it just kind of stuck. But there were several other, it's just weird. Cause I never really, <clears throat> I wasn't that guy that like sought out, like, I'm going to be nicknamed dude. You know, it's like big man on campus kind of thing. It just kind of stuck. I don't know. <laughs> this, this is my buddy. 
<laughs> this is my buddy nickname, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's your that's your new nickname. Hey, this is Nick. <laughs> Have you met nickname, dude? I'm laughing way too hard at that. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that you had some pretty good ones that I don't even know. Like where the fuck? Remember skate rags? Where the where the fuck did that come from? Because I, you know, I made fun of. The, uh, on our first podcast, I was talking about some of the students I used to have in the early 2000s, sort of, I, I don't know what to call it, emo, screamo, but that phase, and there's the South, the Guitar Hero South Park episode where the kid keeps flipping his hair out of his face and like, yeah, he's a pro at Guitar Hero. And uh, I think that that was me, my like freshman year of high school. I had that sort of like semi-long hair like hanging in yeah. my face. And someone just decided that I was a skater because of that. And, That's right. And okay, I, that makes sense. And, and I guess I looked like a, home, a homeless skater because they just called me skate rag. No, because you were pretty much like every day wearing your structure shirts tucked into your fucking your your Levi mom jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, First of all, I don't think I tucked those shirts uh, in. I hate tucking shirts in. Secondly, they weren't Levi mom jeans. They were probably... I would probably, rise, I'd probably have like huh? one pair of Jerbo or whatever the hell they were called in the 90s that was popular. And then, yeah, they were Levi's. So um, it, I, I'm pretty sure they were male jeans. But, you know, <laughs> hey, maybe I was maybe I was like uh, maybe I was, you know, really conscious of, you know, maybe I was ahead you of were, my time. You were I was very sort of like fashion playing. Yeah. Fashion forward. There you go. So, so but I, I can't say much because I, the day I met you, um walking into uh, our English class, <clears throat> I I remember this. I was wearing some jorts. So if that if that dates me or just proves that I'm dope as shit, I was wearing jorts with some wrestling shoes and a fucking skin-tight Motley Crue t-shirt. And I had really long hair. By long, I mean it wasn't long at all. It was just wide as shit. So I had like this mullet that was glorious and by glorious, I mean it would look like ass. I had shit hair, but it was, it was a good foot wide in the back. You need to, you need to send us a photo of that so we can actually share it. We can. Oh, you know I do. I've got my, uh, my tenth grade school picture where I had spent a good forty minutes that day with me in a hairdryer, <laughs> like really, you know, blowing it out. I look like uh, fucking Tracy Guns by the time I got done with him. <laughs> so the. Uh, well, you know, and the thing that actually looks more like Charlie Benante's hair back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. It's probably why he stalked me at NAMM. It's like you had my hair. Buddy Charlie, yeah. He already heard about the Big Cock rumors, I think. He did. He was like, is that Big Cock? Fuck. He, we, we, he's the only guy that's still an Anthrax fan. I got to find him. <laughs> Old Big Cock. We, we, we talked about, we touched on this the other day, Victor, I think, uh, where we were like, I was talking about how, oh, we got to have Dave talk about it. And you used to always say this, and I finally just—I don't remember things that well from that long ago. But I'll just—I'll just confess to it and say it's the truth, right? I know for a fact I was wearing the Air Jordan sweatpants. You were, and you—I'm sure I had my Reebok high tops. I had, you know, and I, you could not have put two P. I don't know what it, for whatever reason we ended up. Maybe it was last name alphabetical, or for whatever reason we ended up yeah. sitting next to each other in this class where we met. You could not have put two different guys next to each other. I he looks at me and I'm just like so wanting to be a rapper and I've got my Air Jordan sweatpants. I've got two short written on my book cover according to Dave. It was and huge. It was written across the <laughs> like, like with the I'm sure I had the, the I'm sure I had the money signs Oh, you did. Thing. And I was all into the, you know, the the you know, the you know, like all all uh, gangster rap is all of us eighth graders you know we were all we were all so hardcore yeah well hey real quick man let me let me cut you off for a second 
that clearly spoke to us. That music was definitely the music of our generation. You know, yeah. gated community white kids from the late 80s. That was I wouldn't say we were gated matter. community white kids, but, uh, <laughs> but, that, but we uh we just definitely didn't grow up in the ghettos of Oakland. Uh, so <laughs> But I thought I did. Anyway, yeah. so I'm. I, this is my attire. This is this is me, and my probably buzz cut whatever haircut. Definitely. And then, right. I, and then Dave is sitting there in the most ridiculous looking shoes I'd ever seen, <laughs> with the most. To, to, to this day, he still wins the award for tightest rolled pants of all time. Like oh just man! The tight, remember the the roll in the pants back in the day? <laughs> you, like, you cuffed him oh, over yeah. and you rolled him. This up? guy yeah. was yeah. This guy was the master, and he's got that. And then like, and then he said, you know, the big huge mullet and the and the. Motley Crue shirt. And I'm a, just, I'm just going fucking, like, it was a who's this it fucking was, guy? And he's thinking the same thing. And somehow we, it was know, the Humpty Dance. That's friends. what, that's what got yeah. us talking. Cause you, you had on the unifying back, the yeah. back of the book, you had the Humpty Dance lyrics. Um, to which, if I'm not, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, and uh, I don't know if, if if right now is the best time <laughs> to bring this up, but in eighth grade, we also had to read Diary of Anne Frank, and had to put on a skit about the book and do you remember you know where i'm going with this do you remember what we did it was you me and and jimmy yeah i remember that we did the, du- the fucking uh, dussel dance dussel dance dussel yeah. dance or whatever yeah so we we took probably one of the 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 most um like horrific uh, uh non-fiction books about like a true um uh you know the, all the hardships that they went through and we rewrote parts of the fucking digital underground song Humpty Dance to incorporate portions of this book and then put it on as a skit in front of our eighth grade English class <laughs> because you know I think the word you're looking for there is genius yeah because, uh... <laughs> well I remember the kids in the class laugh but I, if I'm not mistaken Miss Sampson was like slowly trying to crawl inside of her purse she's like <laughs> well I can't believe you remember the name of the teacher this is Dude. this is the same year that I did a uh, failed to read anything for a book report and everyone the day of the book report was like do something just do anything just do anything to like not you know get some kind of grade and so I did a in the eighth grade I did a book report on <laughs> on super fudge <laughs> that's right judy bloom i remember that oh god anyway so there there was our there's our origins um let's have victor ask some questions like in the more professional uh interview <laughs> sort of context because you and i'll just go you know Jesus crazy Christ, on all yeah. this crazy bullshit but i mean obviously this eclectic soundtracks podcast is all, uh, about music and we talk about the music and the impact of music and how it's affected your lives and moments in time. And you, I mean, for, for me, I actually, in that subject, you and I in our relationship and meeting you is like with what was going on with me and just discovering Guns N' Roses around and starting to play guitar not too long after that. All this is what was happening around the time I met you. And it was a huge pivotal point for me in my life. And we became great friends and shared a lot of music. We have tons of stories with that and have played music together in the past and all this kind of stuff. So I think uh, there's a lot of, I, and I think for you, like you got into it at a younger age than me. You were already like walls covered with posters and albums oh, Jesus, into all yeah. this rock. You're, you know, your stepdad worked at a music store and had, you just knew so much about music already in junior high. It was crazy. Well, it was a weird thing though, because it, at that point I had like, I had tunnel vision, right? So I was a huge, and I'm not ashamed to admit this now, but I was a huge Motley Crue fan, like so much so to where it was like, that's clearly the best band in the world. And, you know, fucking Nikki Six is the greatest bassist, which, by the way, he's not. So let's, let's start there. And if you've ever heard uh, Vince Neil sing live, he can't. So 
there's like, but I was such a huge fan that, you know, I would get all these promotional cassettes and stuff from my stepdad. So I'd get like these, these free posters of all these bands that fucking no one had heard of, but they had long hair and they had chicks and sparks in their videos. I'm like, this is clearly fucking rock and roll. And so my walls were, were covered. Like Florida ceiling, everything was. <laughs> there's chicks, there's chicks and sparks. They're good. That literally, that pretty much sums up like what was cool back then too. Yeah. It was like, dude, there's chicks in a car. This band rocks. Like you don't even great. have to hear the music. You're like, this band rocks. So, you know, I, I had like all this, I had this arsenal of like this. And to this day, I have like this ridiculous, you know, uh, memory of just the dumbest shit when it comes to music from the, that era. But when, when skunk and I met, it was, I think it was a turning point for both of us because I was, I, I wanted to take it to the next level, my love for music. I wanted to do something with it. And I, I hadn't up until that point, I didn't have, you know, a, a guitar drums or, or anything. I just knew I wanted to do something with music. And so when we met and I guess it was really in, in ninth grade, cause that's when you, when you got your uh, the heritage, I believe, and you oh, yeah, really started, had that guitar, yeah. you really started getting into it, and and I ended up getting those drums from Ralph for some. I don't remember what I did, but but when we but before st- you got the drums, oh, we'll, we- we'll get there in a minute. But keep going. So <laughs> yeah, the boxes, the um. But I remember like the first time we we jammed, and 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 Vic, I've got I've got cassette tapes of our first jam, like the first time we ever said, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to make music. This is what we're going to do. And we were, um, very enthusiastic. We were very, uh, complimentary, (laughs) but we were fucking awful, but it was the, the raw, um, just angst that you could hear uh, in these tapes. And then, you know, we we were playing the intro to fucking inner Sandman repeatedly (laughs) to where at one point, Oh yeah. Paradise city. God, but in one of the tapes, it's funny, we're in my garage, and you hear my sister open the garage door and go, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, we ruined Enter Sandman like, for her. Oh, I, I think it's like 20 years before she could listen to that song. Yeah, she fucking hates it. But the it cool was, thing is, though, is that how much fun that really was. Like, I oh, think, like, man. We had... After all, I you know, the different musical things that I've done in the last, for God's sake, 25 whatever years, like... It's still like just because that's it's it's just like that's all nothing. There's nothing else in it at that moment. It's just like this is exciting, and you're you know what I mean. You're just playing music, and it's so like we would should be we would write like lyrics playing music. You know, God, but but you're right. So we didn't know any better, and that was the that was the beauty of it is that and I and I and I, I don't hear it as much as I did when we were that age. But you don't hear garage bands. You don't hear kids you know, in a, in a sweaty ass garage, like learning their, their craft. You just don't hear that anymore. But with us, that was, that was it. Suddenly we were a band and by a band, it was two guys. <laughs> One had a guitar and an amp. And this is before I got my drums. I had boxes like cardboard boxes and a, like a whisk broom, right. That I had taped to this piece of wood. And it was like, it kind of sounded like a hi hat. So we would, we'd be out in the garage and, and the tapes, I've got tapes of that. And it's true you, story. Yeah. You, do, you do a wow. fill and it would be like, black and black and black and black. <laughs> there, was, there was no, <laughs> you, you couldn't tell the difference between any of the drums because you, oh. and then you got one little symbol that sounded like a trash can. Like I Lars would have wanted it so bad in 2003 for St. Anger. Like you had oh, this, this one symbol and you, it just had to get used for everything. So that symbol <laughs> ended up being like the hi-hat, the crash, <laughs> no That's matter right. what it was, it just was always the same. So when I got the drums and, and I'm, it's, it's one of those things we look back now and I'm pissed that 
I, I painted them because they were, they were slingerland, um, like this yellow gold swirl, gorgeous man to this. I wish I had them like they were when I got them. But of course, you know, it's 19, what 90, 91. I've got, 91 maybe, yeah. I've got, when I get out of the shower, my hair's down to my ass when it dries, it's, you know, it's a foot and a half wide, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm a fucking rocker. I can't have these weird seventies drums. And so I painted them blue and, uh, Oh, I do remember those now. Yeah, so yeah. dig this, man. I found my fucking kick pedal, the mallet that I made out of the screwdriver. I found oh, that yeah. in a box. Right. A, ma- a screwdriver kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I took a bunch of cotton balls and some green <laughs> fucking duct tape and taped them to a, a Phillips head screwdriver. And so I ended up with these drums. I had like two kick drums, 12, 13, 16, no snare, no hat, uh, no, uh, no legs for the floor tom. So those were also like <laughs> screwdrivers, <laughs> but, um, you know, I had, I had two kick, two kicks, but I had one pedal. And so, uh, like eventually I ended up, um, I bought a hi hat, but it had like these, they had uh, marching fucking symbols used for hats. They were huge and super thick. <laughs> and so it would overpower every, like everything. It was nothing like the whisk broom. But I had um, this one symbol. It was a uh, uh, fuck. I don't remember the brand, but it was a twelve-inch splash that was about as thin as you could go and still call it a symbol. And I remember I made the stand out of PVC pipe, but I wrapped it in uh, bandanas because you know rock. <laughs> so, yeah, the Steven Tyler. Steven Tyler. Uh, but we hit it like the first time, like, here we go. And I'm thinking I'm like John Bonham, I'm like with all my might and it fucking dents. This boink. So we all kind of looked at like, that's not supposed to happen. And I'm like, the symbol cost me $25 brand new. After, after, the, very, after the very first rehearsal, it just looked like it got run over by a car. Yeah. And I still have that too. I, because it, it I was going to ask if you still had that one. Yeah, I do. It actually it cracked um, about halfway through it. And um, just over years, the potential, on it. it was actually really a neat looking piece and so i had framed it and i actually have it here in the house but it uh it's funny because you look at it and i have a like it tells me a completely different story it tells me you know what it was like when we wrote green demon <laughs> and when we wrote you know all these songs about doors that <laughs> all of our great unreleased classics so you know it was it, it was a whole different time and it was the perfect time in our lives not just because we met but it's that pivotal going from junior high into high school and we kind of found something that defined who we were. And so you had jocks and you had geeks and you had nerds and theater dorks or whatever, but you, you had, <laughs> you had the, the band nerds, right? And then you had us <laughs> because, because no matter what you, you have your group, <laughs> but we thought we were the like fucking top dog this is like we're the coolest kids but <laughs> secretly we're like we have no friends <laughs> well, no and, the, and the, that's the thing was like when we first met and we started you know when we were making a band even though it wasn't a band and we were all excited about this that's what we cared about that was our world we didn't give mm-hmm. a shit and in our minds i mean i guess we maybe we thought we were the shit but what's funny is like nothing mattered and we didn't give it we didn't care and i think uh-huh. and then fast forward like in our senior year when we were kind of bozos trying to like maybe fit in a little more and all this like you look back and you're like no we were actually cooler when we just didn't give a fuck we were just who we were once well, and, and that, that you know that you you got a good point there because like that was the music is what defined us right so we were 
we had something that that no one else did. I mean, we had other kids in school that weren't garage bands, but there was there was something about the stuff that we were doing that because we weren't really doing anything, we were just writing lyrics and talking about one day we're going to be and, famous and fucking and judging other people who we had no oh business on, to judge. <laughs> Jesus, like so, if someone else wanted to be in our band, oh. God. Jesus Christ. So, like literally at that point, you could have played, uh, just hit your fucking string, and you're like, "Cool, you can be in our band." But we were like, "No, we're, yeah, we were... you're never going to be in this cool band." We, I mean, I've got, I've got screwdrivers oh. holding my fucking drums together. But speaking of Motley Crue, what was what was the name of the band that you came up with that became actually became kind of all, kind of sort of a band for a few minutes? Oh, you talking about the little one, down. The yeah. band that you were not in with me. The band that I was not allowed to be in. You weren't allowed to be in this band. This was a. This was a. It side was too project. cool. Yeah, it was, it was too cool for me. It was a fucking side project. <laughs> so when it was Dave and I had a fallout. I was I was in cocaine rehab at the time. Yeah, he, and I was uh, and formed another band. So I don't remember why you weren't in this band, but it was uh, I was in a band. <laughs> I was in a band called Six Gunner with two X's. <laughs> Because <laughs> I thought that was dope. <laughs> like, let's just do this. And it was um, it was a three piece. So we were a lot like Rush <laughs> because we were we were very hard to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we knew part of one song, and uh, we had one practice. And I was now would very, that would that one song be back in black? That would uh, be back in black. Yeah, it would be, but just part of it, <laughs> not the not the whole thing. <laughs> um, funny story though is that the. Uh, the bassist for that band, I ended up buying his bass from him so I could sell it and buy a hi-hat. And that is a true story. I bought Ralph's <laughs> bass and then sold it like a week later to buy new hats for <laughs> because he was an awful bass player. And again, I had no reason to judge <laughs> this guy whatsoever. Um, but we have... No, but I mean, I, I love that. I love the sort of the origins of that story, whether it be a six-gunner or us in your garage, which I don't know. Well, no, we had some stupid names. One of my, I was, I, we definitely had, uh, some we names. had some dumbass names, but, and, uh, but it was cool because it was very much like not the golden gate gates thing. It was like, I had my primer gray heritage and a little PV amp with the, the amp I still have. And I remember getting those two things for $90 and you were assembling these cardboard boxes slowly to drums, selling bases for hi hats. I mean, we were like, it was so like, um, just, not you know so blue collar it was just like but it, it, we didn't give a crap about any of it you know we no. the last thing i think to cross our minds were like having anything amazing we was just it was for us it was so exciting to just be jamming you know be so playing. It, it would be at school sitting in you know in in one of the classes just writing lyrics like this you know this this rhymes with this it sounds cool together this is a a, a neat turn of phrase let's, let's write it down and we'll we'll write a song around it <clears throat> so it wasn't about coming up with with riffs or melodies and then adding, you know, lyrics afterwards, we'd write these ridiculously long, uh, you know, epic poems, or we would write like these, you know, four <laughs> fucking line, like this would be great. And the music will sound exactly like the, the fucking lyrics and everything will sound like shitty black Sabbath music. But you know, it was, it was, there was something, there was a drive there that you just, you don't find as you get better or as you get older, because we had no, 
like understanding that we aren't very good at this. Like that never crossed. <laughs> Everything's cool. I mean, yeah. I remember like, uh, yeah, on our, well, those old cassette tapes, I remember just running my hands up and down the, the neck of the guitar. Oh like, yeah. Just making noise and being like, this is amazing. You know, oh, when, like, you, when you got your, when you got your washburn and you learned to fucking it was a game, it was a game changer, oh, man, all of a sudden, like everything had pick slides and fucking dive bombs and everything. Like we've got the recordings to prove it. And I feel like those deserve to finally see the light of day, man. There's some good ones, dude. I have them all. The, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say, uh, of course, you know, I'll have to get paid royalties from the podcast, or, or we. I'm sorry, but we should put those <laughs> at the end of the podcast. No, Just, fuck that. I want all the royalties for you not letting me in Six Gunner. That's right. Like you can't be in Six Gunner. I'll have my my Spotify plays yeah. revenge. I think I remember. I, I made four cents. You didn't. I think I remember telling you like, yeah, I'm in a band with Ian. <laughs> Like you're not in it. And Ian was our idol. We idolized this guy. <sighs> he was like the cool guy that all the girls loved. Who was like a senior. He had long hair. He played guitar awesome. I mean, everything about him was just. I think guys love. Everybody loved him. Everybody you know? loved Ian. But I got to be in a band with him for, for like an afternoon, one half of a song. <laughs> yeah, but we had a name. We were fucking yeah. six gunner. I'm still jealous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's uh but it's it's neat though. So like when when my daughter was taking drum lessons two years ago, it was fun to watch her have that same like, hey, this is cool. Like she has no understanding that, you know, she's not John Bonham, right? So she's not. I mean, she's so tiny and very shy when she gets up there. But watching her, I remember what it was like the first time I picked up a set of sticks. I'm like, okay, this is, I, I can make as much noise as I want to. And that's that's the whole goal, right? So no one can get mad at me for doing this. <clears throat> and uh, you know, it just kind of grew from there. Hell, I, at one point I had lights on my drums. I took some Christmas like Christmas tree lights and put them inside the kicks. But I had I had soldered the 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 ends of them like under my pedals, so it was like this really like rudimentary way to make them light up whenever you know I was doing when I thought I was playing very well. It was just neat to look at, but it was. Like everything we did back then was some shit that I made. Like I made those cabinets. I had these huge, like, um, God, I remember, I think they were either eights or tens that I'd bought from Radio Shack and built these enormous fucking cabinets out of them. You know, that just made me think of something uh, I hadn't <clears throat> thought of in years. You had an old receiver amplifier, something with, did. like you would push, yeah. hit all like, right? And I, I don't, we use that for recording or something? We I did. Remember. So it was a, it was like a big old, like what your grandparents would have in their living room that like, turn on the radio and <laughs> like this huge, like Somebody built a 19, yeah, during, yeah. during World War II. But it had a, it had a, a uh, an eight track and also a, like a regular cassette player in it, but it was old as balls. But when when you would uh, you could record directly to it, it had like a like a like a mic in and um. But when you would hit record, it would like wind the tape up real quick, and so at the beginning and end of everything we ever recorded on that, it would go whoop, <laughs> <laughs> like so they kind of knew that like okay the song must be in me over now. Because we got that. That was that when your sister heard that sound. That's She's when she knew to leave the room immediately. Fucker. Oh God, it's some shit they did. <laughs> well, you know, fast forwarding a bit. So we we kind of had that, and then but you moved around a lot. You always moved around. Where are you from originally? Uh, Athens, Greece. Yeah, there's a great story there too. Yeah, should I tell that story? Fuck. I mean, I don't have to tell that story. It's a good story. It's a it's fucking. A good, it's, it's, it is a really good story. So I was fortunate enough that in high school, when I was being a complete 
idiot and, and going out and getting blitzed and being stupid. And we thought we were so cool. I had this old Do- Dodge Caravan hand me down that my you know my parents had had in the eighties and, brew and wagon. it had it, yeah we called it the brew wagon and, and somehow it managed to get kegs and throw. there was there was no AC uh, there was no radio there were no back so seats. taking out the there were no back seats so there was a tire so whoever rode in the back just sat on a tire ooh, ooh, okay oh, then, hang on we had that office chair in there for a while. <laughs> which was, which was high, yeah high rolling i think that oh, yeah that man. was our high rolling fit we must have been uh yeah we, we probably had our pagers back then um but yeah and so in you know that was where was i going with this goddamn story now jesus fucking uh what does my van have to do with anything there was a there was going somewhere <laughs> fuck it's going Continue. to greece right yeah, oh greece. thank you thank you <laughs> I was going to say, I was fortunate enough to get this hand-me-down van. And also, you know, run, rolling around being a stupid teenager and stuff, my 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 parents were, or my mom was always pretty cool and understanding. Your mom my dad was shit, always, dude. Yeah, my mom's amazing. My dad was always a little more, um, um, uh, what would you, confused? <laughs> yeah. Linda? So, Linda? Yeah. What's going on? So yeah, I, I come home drunk. My mom's going like, "Oh boy, I'm glad you're okay." My dad, oh, my dad comes out with it in his underwear. What's happening? Your dad go back kinda, to bed. Go back to bed. Yeah, your dad was like a, a very um, it was like an intellectual and coherent Ozzy Osbourne. At sometimes, yeah, that's a really good. I think so. Like especially, yeah. And then those were pretty pretty funny times actually when he would just be up. <laughs> completely confused with us you know belligerent drunks and my mom's just like go back to bed go back to bed but there's one night so we had come in and uh as we would do we just raid my parents liquor cabinet and got absolutely ham plastered drunk just destroyed and so it's probably close to sunrise and dave is in the it's like the bathroom laundry room area next to, near the kitchen and i'm just sitting in the living room just gone and dave's in the bathroom just puking his guts out yeah, and, and, my like, mom, and my mom walks in and my she's arm just in the like, toilet. "Oh, you're why are you up?" And I'm like, "Oh, um, uh, uh, <laughs> whatever." And she's just like, "Where's Dave?" And then we just hear this. <laughs> uh, so my mom, being as awesome as she is, we proceeded to go. She goes and checks on him because she was a nurse. And then then we just found then we just found the humor in it. And so we were kind of asking Dave as she was, "Are you okay?" And this and that. I think somehow it was like, "Where are you from?" I started asking you questions, and you were telling us you were from Athens, Greece, which I am, which not, is really Athens, way. Georgia, to get back to the point, right? No, not Athens, Athens, no, Texas. No, I was not even born in a place called Athens. I don't know why. <laughs> this whole fucking time, I've known you for thirty years. This whole time, I thought you were born in fucking Athens. No, 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 I was not born in Athens. But that night. I, I told your mom that. I don't know why I would have lied to her about that. It was like the dumbest thing. But I'm laying on a floor in the bathroom next to the laundry room with my arm in the toilet. Like my whole arm was in the toilet because, because we recorded all this. And uh, I got to hear it played back in front of my parents um, because we thought it would be a great idea to call my answering machine uh, and leave uh, what we thought was hilarious uh, drunken um, messages. <clears throat> and at the time I had a younger sister that, and she's, she's 15 years younger than I am. And um, we, uh, we woke her up at like two in the morning with the sounds of me vomiting. And um, <laughs> so my mom hears me in my room, throwing up, goes in there, realizes that it's just us being stupid and uh, saves the fucking tape 
that's how old the story is, but it saves the tape from my answering machine. And the next day, uh, we go back to my house and like we're high fiving or whatever fucking assholes do. And we go into my room and my answering machine is open <laughs> and the fucking tape is gone. <laughs> There's a note that says, like, you know, this one's going in your baby book or some shit. I'm like, oh God. And I had to listen to it with my mom, which to this day, at 43 years old, I am still mortified. No, I, uh, I, I remember being very, very terrified of your mother that day and immediately uh, leaving and driving home like, oh, shit. That's <sighs> the last time I'm going to see. So there was all that fun yeah. stuff. I was thinking, though, and back to music. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you, you actually played for a while, too. I know you had electronic kit and stuff. And mm-hmm. when you because you had moved to Kansas and then came back and then you were in Waco. But I feel like weren't you were. You've been in Houston a long time now, but you were playing with a band in Houston for a while, right? Yep. When I first moved down here, um, I was playing for a band. I do not recall what, what their name was. It was I was um, it was like a bunch of dudes in their fifties that were like, "We're gonna make it one last time," and they all like, "We're gonna play nothing but fucking Almond Brothers." And then like, I worked with one of the guys, and so I, they needed a drummer, and I ended up playing with them. <clears throat> but I. Uh, that was for probably on and off for like the first year and a half I lived here. Um, I remember going to one of your rehearsals up there. Yeah, they were they were good dudes, but it was just like I fucking hate Ted Nugent, and I'm like I don't really want to play Strangled again. I just don't. Oh man, yeah. Oh, it was just and like it's nothing. That okay. is a long, redundant song. It is, and it's fucking hard to play when you don't want to. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah, it's it's usually nice to play things you enjoy, or, or if you're getting paid for it, which we weren't. So it was like, I don't really want to oh, yeah, play fucking Melissa one more time for nothing. And like, you know, I it, okay, this is how bad it was. I would get excited to play "She Fucking Talks to Angels" by uh, Black Crows, which I love the song. I love Black Crows, but it was like when that's the highlight, I'm like, oh. <laughs> time to go i can't wait to play that black crows ballad yeah but uh yeah so i played on a um uh had a rolling um td5 so it was the smaller kit this is again this is 96 97 i guess where do you know where roland was was that a relatively new kit at the time because i recently became more in tune with this stuff as I was sort of looking around for an electronic kit for myself. And um, I know, God, they're up to like, what, TD30 or something. So where where was that in terms of... So you could get the TD5 or the TD8 at the same time, but the V-drums were like the new thing, right? And so uh, the TD5 had the regular um, pads. It didn't have the ones that had the skin. So it was just like... It was, it was like a bunch of practice pads. <laughs> right. Not the me- the mesh, right? They call them no. the mesh heads. Yeah, whatever, no, yeah. it was nothing like that. They, they, they were like eight inch practice pads. It was real. It was tough to play um, because you have to have it like really close in to, to be able to really get it because they have the, the multiple triggers. So you could hit it on the on the rim or, or you could hit, hit rim and the, the center, but you had to be dead on. It was the definitely the low end of what Roland made, but the snare patch was going out. And I thought it was the pad, had them replace that, and it just never worked. So I ended up going back to Guitar Center, and I got to trade it in. They gave me full credit as long as I used it in the store. And that's when I got that that uh, that Tama kit, which was oh wow, fuck, I missed. I that was going to ask if if that was a tr- tough transition to go to an electronic kit from from playing like something authentic like boxes and a broom. And, right. Know. Well, you're going from the square <laughs> and that that very distinct whisk broom sound. Um, yeah, you had your own sound. You you always did. really had. 
it was when a people say what 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 what's the hi hat sound you're looking for? They say yeah, give me the uh, give me the corn dog. <laughs> give me a, <laughs> so if you could mix my uh, you know 1990 hi hat with the uh, 2003 uh, trash can snare, it would be. Your hi hat would win hands down. That's, <laughs> it was that's the answer to that question. That would, that would be musical <laughs> harmony. Uh, but I, I went. I just from, go ahead. I was going to say I just want to know if anybody in Guitar Center followed you around playing Dave Matthews songs. Uh, but <laughs> there, there's always there's always one guy that follows that plays a Dave Matthews song on guitar and tries to impress the girls. So when you, you mentioned Guitar Center, so I was like, huh. So it was a cute girl back then. I was a cute girl back then. I had, I had gorgeous <laughs> hair. Cock. The big, big, big fat <laughs> lady cock. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> so I, I will say I was more of that guy at Guitar Center. Like I would, I would learn things like Skunk would teach me how to play like the intro to a song. Like this is all I need to know. <laughs> I would go to guitar center, like creep on chicks, like hey, check this out, and they're not impressed. They're they're there with their boyfriend that's learning how to play Wonderwall, and so it's like fucking oh, no one. I hated that song it. back then, and I fucking hate it now. Oh, oh man, yeah. you know it's funny because back then for me going to the guitar center, we didn't we didn't have one where we were, and you had to drive to Houston. It was like a big now. It's like right yeah. down the road, like literally, you know, five minutes from my house, and but it was like a big ordeal back then. And I remember, you know, over the years, how many people would be like. Oh, I'd love to go with you, and then they'd just be bored out of their mind because I'm like a kid in a candy store trying out guitars, doing. They're just like, "Oh my god, this sucks." Can we go eat? And but I remember um, doing that, and I would be the guy because I just wanted to like jam so bad and like meet people and musicians because there wasn't a, a lot around. I was kind of like the bedroom player, you know. And so I remember one time like trying to kind of jam along with some guy because he was like playing Metallica riffs, and then I would start like you know I knew like every Injustice riff and every, and so I would start like kind of jamming along, and I I wondered if that guy was just like God, what a dick! I'm like, trying fuck to off. fucking learn this, you know. And I'm actually. like I wasn't trying to be like, look, I know that riff too. Look how cool, you know. I was just like, yeah, let's jam or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a different perspective from I think when you're a teenage kid to when you're you know an adult musician or whatever. Because now I'm I'm that probably that same guy that's just like, oh, shut the fuck up. I don't care that you can play. Wonderwall. Train, you know? <laughs> so, the thing about this is that I'm left-handed. So Wonderwall. Oh. there was, there was never, I, I never went to a guitar store and found a guitar I could play. Um, and so being able to go into a, a store that had more than zero left-handed guitar <laughs> or they had like the one, it was like this fucking yeah. wretch. Just you know, having like, one left-handed guitar is you're like, when yeah, it's like, it's got you know, it's got five and a half strings on it. It's actually a banjo. And it's like, this sucks. But yeah, it was shaped I, like a, it was a hot dog, but so was, what? Yeah, yeah. There was a dude, there was the local guitar store in our the, town that had, shop. there was like, they had a, yeah, it was called the guitar shop. And I actually lied on a resume one time and put that I had worked there down to get a job. <laughs> but they had like, uh, they had a hot dog guitar and a Batman guitar. Oh, they had all these ridiculous guitars that's where oh, the matches came sounds from. awesome none yeah. of them were left-handed and dave was no. crushed because like, i just want a fucking left-handed batman guitar is that too much to ask so but it's it's tough though so imagine if you went into are you wearing a fucking pitchfork t-shirt that is goddamn right i am awesome, we're, we're gonna you're, we're gonna get to that <laughs> so but going into guitar center and seeing that they had like a, a section a whole section filled with left-handed guitars it was you know, that was, that was awesome. Now, both of my kids are left-handed. So it's like, I feel real bad for them because I'm like, well, yeah, you know, life's going to suck. Like everything's not made for you. But, but it was, uh, it was an experience because we really did. It was like an hour and a half drive to, to come to guitar center. And then once you're there, it's like, you, know, you get to nerd out on everything. 
Because we just didn't have this yeah. kind of stuff. We had hot dog guitar yeah. back home. So. It was, yeah, <laughs> literally, that's what we had. <laughs> yeah, that was. It was such a cool thing. To, that was always like a um, a big. It's like a kid going to Toys R Us. You know, it was like a, a big deal. Um, yeah, the whole left-handed thing. It's interesting that your kids are, are you know, cursed as well. <laughs> yeah. So Abe, but, uh, she plays well, drum right-handed though. Like, oh, that's great because I was going to say, you know, whenever we used to play and we had times where obviously we would play we'll get to the whole pitchfork thing playing with a band with multiple drummers and sometimes switching kits and and you would have to kind of go switch some some things around on yeah, the kit. and you know hand, as yeah. someone i just as a right you're right-handed you just take it for granted you don't even think about it and i've had some left-hand handed student very few but a few left-handed students on guitar and i'll be honest like when someone comes in and they're left-handed a lot of times as a brand new student they don't really know anything about any any of the guitar or, any, or anything so they don't know and i'm kind of like immediately like oh shit is going to be tough, you know, because I know it's going to be tough for them. So I'm kind of like, well, if you're, what's the word, amb- ambidextrous or whatever, and you can, you yep. know, try it. And if you, if it feels like something you might want to be, you might want to do, try it right-handed. Some people I get, you're just wired this way. So, um, but it, it's also, it's like you said, Dave, it's really hard to find a good, it, it's, it's rare to see someone come in with a quality left-handed guitar. It's kind of an uphill yeah. battle and from day one. Dude, and, I, you know, I tried left-handed. to, I tried to play left-handed. I mean, I, I figured it was a live choice and then I was trying to well, pray the, the le- Jimmy Hendrix thing. I was, I was trying to you, pray you? the left away and it just didn't kind of work. So I just <laughs> realized that I was going to be this way forever. Um, didn't you do I, the I uh, right-hand guitar strong? Yeah. So my, I remember for um, Christmas ninth grade, I asked for a guitar and I remember talking to my dad and, uh, and you know, my father, so, you know, and, like, and he didn't listen, <laughs> lo- love the man, love the man. But I was like, listen, um, you know, he goes, yeah, I said, what do you want for Christmas? I really want a guitar, but you know, I- I'm left-handed. So it, it has to be left-handed. And if it's not left-handed, just no guitar. I'm good with no guitar, left-handed guitar or none. And I would be just as happy with no guitar than I would, you know, otherwise. And so of course Christmas comes around like all the presents get open. There's one more under the tree and it's like a box. I'm like, what the fuck is this? No name on it. And he's like, all right, that one's your son. I open it up and it says Samick on it. And I'm like, what the fuck is Sam? I've never heard of this. And he's like, you know, keep reaping the, ripping the plastic open. And it says guitar amplifier. I'm like the fuck. And he goes, go out in the garage and on the pool table in the garage under a blanket is this right-handed fucking Samick strat copy. And I was, I was, I loved it. So, and I, I've never been more thankful for anything in my life, but I remember thinking, fuck, I can't play this, but I also couldn't play it left-handed. So I guess it didn't really matter at that point. Cause I had never, that's the nice <laughs> thing about not being able to play. Like yeah. when you, when you first start, it doesn't matter anyway. But I remember, and so it's, I guess, contrary to what you just said, as a lefty, it was easy for me to learn from you because it was like looking in the mirror. So when, oh, that's interesting. when we would sit across from each other and you would say, okay, it's like this, you know, this, this is this core progression followed along. It was very easy for me to learn that way because I'm, it's like looking in the mirror. Huh. <clears throat> so, and we look alike. We look just, like, we do look me with alike. my blonde, my big blonde chili bowl on you with your, uh, two foot wide mullet you know, and my big cock. So let's not forget that there's, there was that. So it's also a factor in getting in the way. <laughs> I never played a guitar. I just played my God. There was, um, 
something else before we the cock came up yet again that I was going to mention. I guess we can get to. So yeah, there was the Houston stint. Uh, Victor, do you have anything to add? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, keep going on. It's all fascinating. I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like right off the bat, you guys were were geniuses like pre Kanye. Oh yeah. So I think oh. you probably drew inspiration from you guys. I'm, I'm pretty uh, sure. Absolutely. Did. Yeah, the Garage Band thing. I man, I remember that being something back in the day, and I remember going to my cousin's house and listening to him trying to nail that Steve Harris lick from Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner over and over and over again. Yeah. I didn't get tired of it, but it was just funny to you know just see him just you know try to mimic Steve Harris there. But uh, no, no, go on, please. Well, you please know, see. we uh, the last guest we had, Dave, you, was you uh, my Pepsi. Oh God! We're, this is this is a great segue, actually, Victor. You have no idea. So the last <laughs> guest we had was a fascinating guy named Yuri from Brazil that uh, we talked to, and who's a huge Iron Maiden fan. So we talked about Iron Maiden a lot on that podcast. And um, well, as it so happens, this there's this guy we went to high school with who was just kind of a dick, right? I guess. I mean, I don't know what his deal was. <laughs> he was a fucking I mean, well, maybe. We, he was a big metalhead, and I guess us, like when we were freshmen and just starting to play. And we, I, by the way, like my guitar teacher, I used to get into bars all the time oh, when I was yeah. fourteen. It was crazy, and like so, we were like, and we would just go to bars and shit and hang out when we were fourteen. It was crazy, and um, but uh, this guy, we just he was one of the, the older, maybe a senior or something, and long hair and metal dude. And we, so we maybe kind of looked up to him or whatever. But when we like jam with him. We were like, this guy's kind of an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, but he was, was a huge Maiden fan, and oh, I remember he like oh, worshipped yeah. Steve Harris. Um, and you were going somewhere with that. Were you going to say something about the the Maiden thing with him, or am I? No, I was just, when he said you made the Pepsi reference. Yeah, so we were we yeah, were yeah. jamming at your house. This was after I got you know the the actual drums, and it was a group of us that were, that were just there kind of jamming. And he was there, and he brought like you know his rig with him and. Uh, I remember, like, he had put this is this will date the story. He put his Pepsi on top of the TV, which the kids are like, hey, a wooden box. Did, yeah. did, you, did you balance <laughs> it up there? Like, no, it was a fucking piece of furniture. A wooden box next yeah. to the VCR by the fake plant. He put his Pepsi, yeah. and I don't know if you bumped it or something, but it spilled. It knocked over. Uh, I think the vi- the vibrations of it, probably the fucking I, power yeah. of our goddamn metal. Probably, yeah, probably. Like, oh, That's shit, what it was. These guys, that guy's big cog is just fucking. <laughs> but it's it's spilled, and so instead of like I don't know, you know, grab a towel or go, oh shit, let's clean this up. He just starts looking at you and going, "You spilled my Pepsi." You're like, yeah, on my dude, fucking mom's first of all, television. I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't me that spilled the fucking thing. It was just all of a sudden like. Oh, there's Pepsi all over my parents, my parents' television. And if I was like someone's house and did that, I'd be like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. You have a towel, like Dave said. No, you spilled my Pepsi. You spilled my Pepsi. Well, <laughs> fuck you, dude. Get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah, I remember he was like, he he laid down on the floor and he was he was he was playing his bass. And then he goes, guys, do you know what what a culture shock is? And we're like, what? What do you what do you get? And he's like, because he when he was leaving like after graduation to go back to wherever town he was from, he was like going to go back with his real band. It was just like the, the Oh yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Like make like one last stab. Like you guys fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to lay here on the floor and tell you about how cool my, my other fictitious, band my is. real band is. That was his six. We were his six gunner. <laughs> oh God, we were. Yeah. Fuck. But so 
and the thing, uh, but the, the thing about that guy too is he obviously took metal very seriously because oh, what we learned, what we did not know when we were in a bar at fourteen watching a, um, my guitar teacher's cover band, was that headbanging, in fact, is an art. It's an art. Form. Little did we know, you don't just you know go up and down. No, there is a very distinct way. Apparently, this guy had read the you know the. Britannica encyclopedia, yeah, the, 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 the volumes of, of, of books on, on the subject and uh, proceeded to tell us that we were headbanging incorrectly. Oh, yeah. And then he, he fucking demonstrated like it's like the and it looked like he was having a fucking stroke. It was just really bizarre. <laughs> but he he was, he was a fucking asshole. And like, I don't even remember hanging out with that guy that much. It was just like he was just another guy that we knew that played an instrument. So there was there's like a right, there was like four of us that played and liked metal. Was this, and we were like, well, I guess we're in a band together. Yeah, I guess here we are. We're gonna be famous now. But it he's was, got long hair. I guess we're in a band. But it, what was what was funny about that is that there the, there was no limit to you know when of course this is all pre internet and pre thank God it was pre YouTube. Holy shit, dude! We would have been put that on the internet. <laughs> let's record these practices and put them online and so everybody can fucking see them and keep them forever. Right, right now our whole, our, our entire life would be us every day trying to figure out what our password was. Stage <laughs> 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 shit down. <laughs> but the, uh, so, but it was, you know, there, there was no way to, you know, get it out there or that there was no community. You couldn't go online and like, Hey, you know, we, we play music. Let's all get together. So you would, you would find these people at school that you wouldn't normally even, fucking know this guy was a senior we were freshmen I, my sister was a senior maybe that's how we knew him i don't know maybe but it was just like that guy plays bass all right cool so we gotta we gotta get together and let's all bring our instruments and we'll all just it was like fish but worse if that's, <laughs> if that's it's actually really funny you made that reference uh, what is that guy's name trey I, i'm not a big jam band kind of guy it's not really my, my bag I can, I can respect him. but trey whatever his name is dude he was on uh jimmy fallon recently i just happened to see it was like the first episode or that they were back in the actual studio all distancing and stuff but he played with the roots uh-huh. and it was it was badass it was dude, really good i went and saw and I, i'll be the first to fucking admit i love fleetwood mac i do but i went and saw Lindsay buckingham this would be fuck maybe 15 years ago here in Houston at this little venue downtown. And it was goddamn phenomenal watching that guy. Oh, play Lindsay Buckingham. oh he's, Dude, he was, yeah, he's awesome. He played, you know, the fucking chain. He played Tuscan. He played all that horse shit, but he played like just like this flamenco shit for like 30 minutes straight. It was just awe inspiring. This guy was amazing to play. And it's, you had to remember, oh, yeah, that's right. He was fucking Stevie Nicks. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. He, he had an afro. It was like, you had to remind yourself, like, <laughs> Oh shit! That's right. He was in the Mac. Okay, but, <laughs> I love that. That's his legacy. Not like he's a great player. He plays with his fingers. He wrote this song. I, the chain fucked Stevie Nicks. Yeah, that's it. That's that's that sums him up. That's all you need. Is there anything else he did? No, he did. That's all. Yeah, that's all. Did. That's all. Fuck yeah. Stevie Nicks. Wrote the chain. Bunch of other shit. No one cares about. <laughs> oh shit. Um, man, I was just thinking about. We definitely will talk Pitchfork, but. First concerts, Vic. What was your first concert? I don't know if we discussed this before. Ooh, because Dave and first... I share this experience. Well, maybe you yeah. had been to something prior, but my first concert was that your first concert? Uh, no, I had actually my first concert was the Sorry, Oak Ridge man. Boys. Uh, at oh the, God, hold that Portland thought. Center. Let's go, Vic, and then we're gonna come back. That <laughs> oh fucking Elvira, that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. 
What were you, you going to say? Like what, that what, was, what was your? No, I, I was going to say I, I. I think I remember it was Kiss. Holy first sh- concert yeah. Kiss. Holy shit! If there's yeah. if there's one band now, Ted Nugent probably ranks a close second. But if there's one band, me and Dave have talked more shit about. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they're fucking amazing live because it's Kiss and it's this legendary thing with fire and no, tongues no, and- no. It, I'm sure it's like The Matrix. The Matrix is a shit movie, but the fucking effects were awesome. Kiss in 1999, maybe. Well, I mean, well, that's, that's I still point. think the Matrix is pretty cool. No, no. Like, but here, here's, I, here's no. my point: Kiss, the Matrix was so good, I almost pissed my pants when in the theater because I kept not being able to go leave to what to go pee. Oh, right <laughs> but but that was an amazing thing in 1999. But, but so what I'm saying about Kiss though is that it's I guess it's the experience of seeing it. I fucking hate Kiss, but I, I would I would have gone in the late 70s. What was it? What was it like when you saw Kiss in the late 70s? <laughs> 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 when you were two. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I only saw them on TV then. Uh, when I saw them live, it was that that period where they weren't wearing their makeup. Alive, so really? No, no not alive. What was that album? It yeah. came out in '91, uh, maybe. Oh, I remember uh, that album. And they were trying to be all heavy. They, yeah, that wasn't the makeup. Yeah, because Ace Freely had left, and then they had. Uh, it was that's Vinny already Vincent. a good start. Please tell me it was Vinnie Vincent. Vinnie Vincent. There you go. Yes, yeah. that was the look it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because Vinnie Vincent was in was makeup it? for a little bit, and then uh, yeah, because he was—I can't remember what his his name was, but uh, or what character he played. But then yeah, it was it was the Revenge was the name of the was album. It Revenge, I think. Okay, so. yeah. So that that was one of my first ones, wow. and I think after that, it's just just a you know I think so a lot of different bands. I imagine though that had to be pretty fucking cool, right? Because I think when you go when you go see a rock concert as a teenager, it's pretty cool, right? I yeah, mean, yeah. You you see these guys, you know, that, you know, <laughs> speaking of 70s, right? These guys that are in makeup and you know, it's uh it's the devil and everything and you're like, oh, they I were doing the makeup? That? No, no, back in the 70s, in you the know, 70s, so, yeah. And the, yeah, in the 70s they when you when you would see them on TV, they were like, you know, people would I don't know. All the do-gooders. Well, What's her name? Dipper Gore. You know. Oh yeah. And so yeah. you know what that reminds me of when I was talking about before. You know, is is the whole notion of like the way I was brought. Oh, thinking. Oh my God, Ozzy Satanic and Iron Maiden Satanic. All this bullshit is Satanic because of people like Dipper Gore and this nonsense. Every time someone killed themselves in the eighties, it was Metallica's fault or Judas Priest's fault. That kind of bullshit. And Iron Maiden was Satan and all that. And it's funny because. I, I, the same stuff with guys like what's this guy's name pat robertson or whatever the 700 club bullshit you know the oh not knights in service of satan and all this ridiculous crap like this is what i was trained as and then you hear the music of lick it up and you're like this is the most <laughs> if this if this is satan then satan is just uh, he's got i don't even know like but i'm what? not afraid of him you know like i mean <laughs> What was if there was a movie go slap Satan right now? There was a movie uh, with Paul Rudd and uh, that Stifler dude, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but oh, it was great. Yeah, the, the yeah the the guy that played Stifler, he was really into Kiss. Yes, and they were he was he was uh, they were what they had like community service or something. They had to watch over kids, and so he was playing. He was like uh, playing Kiss for these kids, and he's like they were playing Love Gun. He's like, hey, he's really, he's really talking about his dick, you know. So, <laughs> Am I wrong here? Is that the same movie with the guy from the? Uh, oh God, what's the dude's name? He was in the the Hangover movies. Was like a doctor, and then an Asian dude became a. And then, and then they go to battle. There's like they. Oh, Kim Jong. Yeah, yeah, Kim Jong, yeah. Right? Is that the yeah. same movie? He's, right. That that's right. Because he was yeah. he was the king or something in their little LARP or whatever. <laughs> that, 
stuff was oh, right dude, yeah. i have no yeah, idea that was, that was a good one. i have to see it now what, yeah was, so they were they were reps for like some uh energy drink company and they drank so much of it they were like pissing green or something like that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, Man, what is that movie? Hey, Damn I'm it! Googling it, Ken Jong and uh, Paul Rudd. Paul right? Paul Rudd, yeah. Uh, Role models. Role models. Yeah, there right, you go. Yeah, yeah. that's a out. that's a funny. That, oh shit! It's got Elizabeth Banks in it too. Jane that's Lynch. Right, yeah, Jane Lynch is classic. She's always oh, yeah, she like is. a goofy fucking character in all those kind of yeah. movies. It's really good. Um, yeah, you know what? So 2008. That was uh, thinking of Jane Lynch and. Elizabeth Banks and maybe Paul Rudd. I don't know. It reminds me of 40, uh, 40 year old version. Cause I, that was a little bit before that. Maybe, maybe 2004, but yeah. I think they were both in that movie too. Anyways, total side. Yeah, Paul, yep. What I was thinking of though, what's so funny to me, Dave um, is, and you'll agree. Uh, it's a truth. It's a fact <laughs> that w- you like would have, I think, I don't think you've ever been a kiss fan. So I think you would have been the kind of guy that swore up and down that, that just kiss was the most ridiculous crap crappy absurd band ever kind of thing but you lived and died motley crew oh who was God. a total ripoff of kiss when you look at those <laughs> and i remember buying the cassette tape for shout out the devil that might have been the very my very first cds ever were the were the use your illusion cds which i'm proud of but my one of my first cassette tapes that i remember going into a store and buying like so proudly and so excited was shout at the oh devil God. and you think about those album covers man oh yeah wow. that was like mm, it was a lot of nipple I will. I will say. <laughs> a lot of I will say, like, I'll give Motley Crue credit. Yeah. I think Motley Crue has some good songs for sure. Like, there's some good songs on hey, Shout Out the Devil. Shout out the Devil. There's good songs on all too, that stuff, right? But I don't know if I can say the same for, say, Poison's um, "Look What the Cat Dragged In." You know? Ooh, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, 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 uh, that's a tougher sell. That's a tougher sell. Uh, Both very androgynous had, uh, album covers. Lots of makeup. Lots of nipple is i didn't day, but, i didn't know what the hell to think when i saw that album cover i'm like what is this <laughs> no and then the swallow your tongue or was that what it, that was like that's one of the dumbest album covers of all time and this is how yeah. stupid the tipper gore culture of i i is tipper gore going to be our glazer award of the month because we've already like railed on her from two episodes i know she's, she's up there anyway she may be up there yeah <laughs> so but just like who the, the what's funny to me is like that absurdly comical poison album cover with that absurd fucking photoshopped tongue which oh, wasn't God, even a thing yeah. back then how is that even offensive it's just it's offensive because it's so stupid <laughs> it's certainly not like scandalous that's a deep oh yeah it's it, it, suggestive it, maybe i don't know if i'm not mistaken i think that was the record that they had the uh they remade that fucking kenny Loggins song that uh Wow, this is and news mom, to me. Mama don't dance. When they came on, is it saying that? But yeah, I think that's on that that record. And it's Ooh. just, God, there was nothing. Was that a thing back then? Because because Motley Crue on Theater of Pain did Smoking in the Boys' Room. I always thought Theater of Pain was kind of a weak album. I mean, Home Sweet Home it, it, oh, was a classic, which oh, is on there. But God, overall, I didn't think that album was, was was super great. Well, there, so there were other songs that that. I mean, even even the members of the band will tell you that was their that that was their weakest album whenever they were making it. But there there were other songs that crew had that weren't hits that I thought were better tunes, right? So, mm-hmm. um, "Shout Out the Devil" was a great song. The record is is pretty good for when you when you think about the era, and if you can get past that, it's it's sonically it's hard to listen to, but <laughs> it, God bless the children of the beast, you know, right? Yeah, you know, it's bastard. <laughs> but the like. Too Fast for Love is a fucking shit 
sandwich man that was just a oh dude i heard record. one of those songs on the radio and i was like holy shit this is so lo-fi so demo. you like, and me your brother were talking about crazy. like i went what was it this was a couple months ago like right pre it was like right as the pandemic hit i was in the kitchen cooking and i'm like i'm just gonna listen to fucking motley crew discography so i started with the first one and i ended up sending you guys a playlist like listen to these songs in this order and if you can make it through <laughs> Oh, maybe, it, yeah. and it was just <laughs> now, was it was, actually Motley Crue or was it Christmas at that point? It was, you know, yeah, right. So, yeah, we should blame the man Christmas. Bo- Bob Deal was only 45 back then. <sighs> See, that's the thing is that, like, if if we were ever at like bar trivia and there was like Okay, did Motley, you see dirt? Motley Crue. I'm like, that's the fucking guy. This bring this guy. Oh, you would know people. everything. I'd put all of my money on you. If there was a if there was a Motley Crue final Jeopardy question and it was like teams, oh. and you I would be like, I'm betting fucking everything. Everything on this. If this guy is gonna <laughs> now this here's it. a funny quote, right? Back to high school, right, right when we met and we're getting into everything. And I I was like the Columbia House. I don't know, I'll get Metallica uh, Ride the Lightning know, and I Justice. Know what you're gonna and say. I'll get I'll get poison, <laughs> you know, fat cat oh. cat drags it. Now I will say, I'll go on record and say I I really do like Flesh and Blood. I think that's a cool album. I still yeah, think that album. Still, for for still, what it was in his still riding day. the wind there, dude. Yeah, just riding the wind all the way, you know. Uh, and I had a mixture of that and like maybe Slayer and Pantera, but then Poison. It was really kind of weird. And then a lot of those 80 bands I, I still love, though, actually. But I remember Dave saying this to me. And it's <sighs> this is such a and again, like Molly Cruz, not a like, they, they've earned their right. Like they're a good band for a rock and roll notorious, you know. Oh, like, yeah, they put in the work. Yeah, definitely. They yeah. Do. Yeah. Great kind of glam meets but gutter this rock is a punk. Bad you know? quote, though. Yeah. I know what you're gonna but, say. <laughs> <laughs> but this this is epic considering I mean, in we're you know, we're going back 30 fucking years. When you look at this quote now, it is this is um, because back then one could argue that the two bands may have been a bit neck and neck, but Motley Crue had Dr. Feelgood. They had some big success with yeah, Bob dude, Rock. But, but, still, there's, there's but no Dave comparison. said, I was like, hey, what do you what do you think of Metallica? Because I'm still kind of learning about these bands. You know, oh, I was like, what do you think? And Dave goes, yeah, Metallica is just kind of like a bad wannabe version of Motley Crue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, that's, I actually said that, but it was like I, uh, I, I cringed knowing that I said that. I'm like, why would I ever? Because, uh, it's one of the greatest quote, quotes ever. Because this is on the heels of like and justice, which is personally my favorite Metallica record, and I fucking loved every song on that one. And I was still such a hardcore fan of, of the crew that I couldn't bear to say that anything was as good at or better so what am i gonna do i'm gonna lash out and we're like oh they they, they clearly well, so well you know what i think though too and i'm actually curious to hear what you have to say on this vic is because for dave it was we liked all this different stuff but but it was like motley crew that's my favorite they're the best they they're my you know you have to have for me it was i mean dave knows it was skid row like that oh, yeah, was my time. band in high school i love guns and roses that's what got me into it i love metallica but for whatever reason man i got into skid row and slave of the grind i still love that album and that was just my fucking band in high school, man. Loved, loved, loved Skid Row. Did you have a band like that where it was like that they were your the best kind of mentality? The the, the band that I would listen to over and over again. Yeah. Um, Kiss. No, no, no. It wasn't Kiss. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Honestly, so Maiden was up there uh, because I, you know, listened to them with I think starting with Killers. Right. And then all the way on up. Well, you mentioned get buying your first CD. My first CD was Seven Son of a Seven Son. Okay. There we go. Yeah. In, so, yeah. So I went, that, when I went from cassettes out, to or a few years. Yeah. Later. 
So which would have been no, it, what year was that again? 88? 88. 88. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe shortly after, yeah. right? So maybe not Man, right was, after. But yeah. So that that's when I made the transition from cassette tape to, to CD. Cool. But yeah, I think mostly it was it was them and then uh, some Metallica because I got into them with uh, Ride the Lightning. Right. So yeah. Fade to Black was the first Metallica song that I listened to. And I even listened to to my to to your favorite guitar player, Yngwie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on yeah. That I, well, I, With all, all the arpeggios, man. <laughs> my, my first thing. It's funny because when I started, you know, you're sort of finding yourself as a teenager and discovering what you like. And, and then you learned, you know, what you who you really are, what you really like. And I remember like hearing a lot of these things and seeing in guitar magazines. I'd always see Yngwie and Fire and Ice oh, yeah. and all these silly things and and so then i remember it at fucking hastings dave i went and they had the little listening oh, booth hastings. they had a listening booth for yes. a while and i was with you that's know that's right yeah yeah uh, you know chris you know i'd mentioned him before i've known my whole life and so we were in there i'm pretty sure that was him and i was like um oh i want to check this out i put it this ingbe and the first thing that comes on is far beyond the sun and then it's just yes. like blowing my 16 year old mind or however old i was and I'm just like, holy shit! I mean, that's an amazing. The guy was like 20 I, years. Old. It's a, it's awesome. It's amazing. I, I have a greater appreciation for more of the classical mute, just straight up classical yeah. music because of some of the Ingve's early yeah. stuff, right? Now, if he just would have <laughs> stayed with that, I think it would have been great. But <laughs> so I'm listening to this song and I'm like, man, this is fucking crazy. And I'm like, dude, check this out. And I like take off the headphones and I'm. And it's like in the middle of, you know, whatever, which is amazing, you know, to me, a guitar player. And then Chris puts it on. Well, literally, I know he switches the track. And so, like, the first thing he hears is like, making love, teaser, or whatever. <laughs> and he's just like, look at, like, what the fuck? And I'm like, what? And I'm just like, de- I'm just like devastated that Ingve had like a singer in lyrics because I was just like, wanted to hear like this amazing ripping arpeggio guitar you know speed of light guitar yeah it's like Ugh! i mean i bought the cd anyway <laughs> yeah i totally i, I totally forgot you know, Hastings I mean, had his yeah station. you know after That's like crazy 15 of the same fucking album though i you know not, not yeah. to discount the talent that ingbe does have and the hard work he put in and what he is really good at that one thing but i've also been like just very like man it to me it's uh I love guys like Vinnie Moore is a huge influence for me and Joe Satriani. They're they're always trying new things and mixing it up and doing different types and styles and tones and you know what I mean? Like some people, oh, it's yeah. just a shredder, this and that. But like so many Satriani albums are very, very different. He tried new things and new and you know, drew from a lot of different styles. And whereas Ingve, I'm just sort of like, Jesus Christ. And I mean Again, I'd put the same amount of money on what I'm going to get if I buy a fucking Ingve album as I would on Dave answering a, you know, every single question of Motley Crue trivia. You know, it's going to happen. Well, but see, so guys like that though, they're they are the musician's musician, right? So I I, I can I can put on like uh, fucking a Steve Vai record, right? And I can appreciate it for what it is, but like I couldn't. I got friends that. You listen, like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, what's well, you like, actually gave me the guitar book to Passion and Warfare? Yeah, because I was hoping you were going to learn it. I was like, it was going to be great, which I never did. Yeah, <laughs> just, I, I think <laughs> I opened it. Was like, looks, nope, it looks easy, right? The um, but or it's like listening to Zappa, right? So it's a lot like listening to Zappa, actually, because if you don't, I mean, on the surface, it's it's one thing, but if you if you really think about what he was doing and what his band was doing, it <clears throat> it takes you to a whole different place, and. With with like Ingve, it's a lot like that. Like you can listen to it, and it's like holy shit, that guy is fucking. You know, he's getting after this. is This is good stuff. And then if you 
you, you listen to and it. And he looks like a pirate. He looks like a fucking pirate, right? That's how cool is that? But if you listen to it with a musician's ear, even if you even if you have no clue, you know, how to do any of the things that he does, it's still it gives you a different appreciation for it. There are a lot of like musicians that I don't really care for the genre, but I'm like, fuck that 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 man or woman, they're really good at what they do. It's not my bag of nuts, but it's fucking awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah, I I, th- I think of it that way too. It's like I'm always like I can look at a lot of things and go, I really respect the production. This, I really expect, I respect the musicality. I may not really want to listen to it. It's not like doing anything for me personally, but like, but I can respect so many aspects of it. So I can always respect the players. It's just a lot of those virtuoso players don't, they're not, I don't find it super interesting to listen to. I think it'd be for a lot of people to just sit there and listen to, you know, some opera or long piano concerto. It's like, if you're not really being immersed and like really appreciating all for what it is, it might just be like, oh, I just want a simple pop song. Jesus Christ. You know? Yeah. But if, if you, if you have a knack for music and you, you know what journey it's going to take you on, it's like, this is kind of cool to get, to get lost in something you're not comfortable with. Right. So yeah. I also think seeing things live can be so much different. We talked about oh, this yeah. before oh, yeah. too. And like it's game changer for me, it's like Zappa. Like I've never been like, Oh, Zappa. I don't, you know, I mean, who's going to, of course, Zappa was a musical genius. You know, you might not may or may not agree with the political stuff and the set satire. I mean, I think the older I get the more, I kind of appreciate some of that, even if I don't agree with it all, but like, uh, he roasted Tipper Gorin, so that's bonus points. But I mean, <laughs> it's uh, you you got like, but whenever Dweezil came out and started doing the Zappa play Zappa and then got sued by his own fucking family, so he can't even call it that anymore. Whenever Dweezil started doing the Zappa catalog with these, dude, I mean, seeing that live, I just it, I be, I, I, it blew my fucking mind. I've seen him three times now, and the first time I, it's always been amazing. The first time I saw him, though, it was just so absolutely incredible i suddenly was just like wow i get it you know what i mean because you just realize like that is so next level and the dedication and the musicality and the work that was put into that just like some just like a broadway musical or something you know broadway i'm not it so easy to say i don't like i don't really listen to this i don't listen i don't like musicals you see something like that live and you're like oh my god this is phenomenal you know yeah absolutely. And so i think a lot of things really the live app you know aspect of it can certainly sell it um and if you still can't appreciate it at that point then you're just stupid <laughs> you're dead inside <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> man when you're talking about first concerts i thought well you know for me it was i just i'm so proud of this fact that it was Metallica, Guns N' Roses, and Faith No More, oh, one of the man. greatest yeah. fucking tours oh, that ever shit. happened in the history of the world. And, that is an you know, awesome first Dave concert. and I, you know, went to that. And uh, but I didn't realize you had been. I should have known, of course, you know, from your background that Oak Ridge Boys, shit, man. Let's so, hear about that one. So I went to within uh, two summers. Um, I w- and this was both at the Frank Irwin Center. It was uh, Oak Ridge Boys with. Um, is that in Athens, Greece? Yeah, that's that, word in, uh... that was the one. <laughs> there, it's, there's a smaller one there in Austin. The uh, uh, I'm trying to think. It was at the fuck. I cannot remember her name. But there was like a there was this uh, female uh, uh, country singer that opened for them. And then I saw Alabama the next summer, oh, also wow. at the Frank Irwin Center. But if I'm not mistaken, it was um, shit. She sang "Angel of the Morning." Who the fuck sang that song? But anyways, oh, uh, Juice Newton. Juice Newton. There we go. She opened. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that was the the first two concerts I went to. Um, it was you know my dad, so you know exactly wh- why we went. To <laughs> um, but, corns up. Yeah, corns up. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, 
so the, um, you know, so I called him yesterday. I texted him and I was like, hey, because I was coming through uh, back from, I was near Dallas last night. And I said, hey, you're going to be uh, near 45 in Corsicana. He's like, uh, why? <laughs> and I said, because I've got your Girl Scout cookies from my daughter that we've had at our house for six fucking months. I want, you know, like, <laughs> to you. And he goes, uh, his response was, got hay to bail. <laughs> and, <laughs> how much it's like a thousand bales i'm like well, that's a that's a lot of fucking hey man i guess okay i'll just eat your cookies you're good but uh yeah i was learning new things about your dad every yeah time so that. yeah so he had, he had a bale a thousand square bales this morning like a lot of fucking eggs so anyways wow. he um so we went there and then we uh after that we saw uh ricky skaggs um uh, which uh country singer early 80s more of a bluegrass kind of guy um but those were those were my three uh, before the very next one I saw was was with you it was, and that blew my fucking skull off. Oh, it was so amazing! Metallica. I remember that was so fucking exciting that when oh I'll regret. I, I mean, not really, but it, I for me now I'm just like such a huge Faith No More fan and have been forever. Not that I wasn't already a big fan back then, but not like at the level I am now. And I remember when Faith No More came out as the opener, and there was still it was at the Astrodome, yeah. huge crowd. I mean, it was absolutely fucking packed by the time Metallica and Guns N' Roses played, and the light show is a massive, amazing you know, performance and visuals in the whole nine. But like when Faith No More played, kind of earlier in the day, people were still shuffling in. And remember, there was like. A bunch of people on the floor, but there was still a big, wide open space. And when they started playing, people were jumping over the fucking rails and oh, shit yeah, down dude, onto the floor. Nuts. It was crazy. And I remember watching Faith No More. I remember D Zombie Eaters. I remember RV when Mike mm. Patton was like, here's a song about fucking chickens. I know yeah. you remember that. And uh, <laughs> and then they played like midlife. But dude, yeah, we went and was, got nachos it, it, during their set. Like, how lame is that? How you lame? What, what a like... dickhead. <laughs> So I don't remember what was on, but it, it was like now looking back, I'm like, why the fuck didn't we sit? Because it was their Angel Dust tour. I mean, it was yeah, a fucking great. It was record. fucking awesome. And yeah. we're like, let's go get some nachos. This is fucking stupid. But um, and see, I'm, and Metallica, because because GNR closed that night because they they Metallica. All oh, yep, they closed. Metallica oh. opened with fucking Creeping Death. Holy I jumped shit. up on my fold out got seat foot and got my fucking head. foot stuck. So my foot was stuck down into my chair and I was like <laughs> moshing like an idiot, like but all through mean, creeping death. Dude. Oh, and by the way, like, uh, so who was the guy? Dude, speaking of metal church, which we talked about uh, before. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. Was it Jim Marshall? Is that his name? Oh, what's the guy's name? Oh, the the guy that played guitar for James Hetfield. Yeah, because when we saw them, is when James um, Hetfield had the had his arm in a cast. Yeah, it was right. It was and so John, the guy, the guy, John, John Marshall, John Marshall, John Marshall, Marshall from yeah. from um, Metal Church, That's right. was yeah. playing guitar on that on that tour. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I remember James Hetfield being like, at some point, he was like, "Yeah, give me give me a hand or some shit." <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that's right. Because he. Uh, he broke his arm or something skateboarding or something. Right? No, well, that yeah, had happened before Toronto. too. But this before. was this was because of a pyrotechnic pyro. That's accident. right. Yeah, because yeah, he's played for him twice, or he's played with him twice, right? Yeah, he did break his arm in the. I think that was beforehand. I think it was more Master of Puppets time or something in the mid. Okay. in the eighties when he yeah. broke his arm skateboarding. Yeah, because there's there's pictures of him, um, you know, with his arm in a cast, with the the puppets background. I, I mean, I think I, I'm my, I, I think I've seen that. But it was sometime earlier than that. But yeah, when we saw him, it was after he blew himself up in Toronto. <laughs> well, no, I've, it was was it Toronto that that it was wasn't that the same concert? And then Axl Rose fucking started a goddamn riot. Uh, yeah, 
I think it was like everyone was already like stressed out because Metallica had to like couldn't perform, couldn't keep going, and then yeah, because wow. one day, of was of, like fire. somebody took a picture of him and he got mad and was like "fuck you all," and then a riot started. And that that must have been like the most polite riot ever. I know, right? Like, I, don't, I thought yeah, it was like Toronto, I thought yeah. it was like St. Louis or something. Yeah, I think oh, it was okay. Toronto. Like everyone was just like, well, they don't really know how I feel about this. Hey, hey. Yeah. Hey, hey. I'm mad, are, we gonna, are we gonna get our money back? Hey? <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna gas up the Google Sorry, yeah. here and see if I can. I want to say it was in Toronto. Um, as you're as you're googling, you know, when you mentioned your dad and the hay bales, and all just the, all the interesting kind of from knowing you so far back and going and recording our original quote tree stump was what we were called our first little yeah. endeavor post post six gunner. When, when we recorded some songs in Waco by a guy who loved Rat, I, that's all I remember about him. He loved Rat, and he had a recording <laughs> studio. And we were so fucking excited because Rats. we were like 15 years old or something. So I drive up to Waco. It was well, during... I said I had to been about 15. I guess we were 16. It might have been before you came back or the no, summer before it, we were it, seniors. It wasn't. It was because I remember um, I drove up there. Or did I get dropped off? You got dropped off because oh, I... that's right. My mom came and picked me up. I remember that now because yeah. I oh, was shit. in driver's ed. Wow. Wow, that's and true. Yeah, we, yeah. So this this uh, the guy um, he worked for my stepmom at the you know that place at the mall that makes those big fucking cookies. Oh, I remember that place. Yeah. Uh, so like Lisa, of course, fucking done that forever. And this guy worked for her as one of the bakers, and he was in uh, like a couple local bands around Waco. Um, and he gave her like his business card. It's like, you know, Ace's wild recording studio. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, Hey, you know, Jesus. if you ever, you know, want to record some music, I guess this guy. And, and so I call him and he's like $40. And I went, Oh, okay, cool. Let's, let's fucking do this. I've got, I got, it's what you call a red flag. Uh, <laughs> I've got, I've got 20 bucks. Let's see if we can. Yeah, we, remember we each had 20. We were like, yeah, 20 bucks a piece. We're going to go record three songs. And so we did. We recorded. Um, we got In to this, this garage. Very high class garage um, that. Uh, <laughs> so my kit was set up over like against a wall uh, with some cardboard boxes around it, you know, for. Uh, for, oh, sound damage. Yeah, yeah. for aesthetics. Yeah. And uh, he, well, there was also the beer, the refrigerator that's full right. of beer. You were set up near the, yeah. the refrigerator, which got the great buzz in the background. <laughs> and uh, it also sounded great whenever uh, Steve's dad, you know, like, hey, God damn it, give me a fucking beer out of there. <laughs> we're like, make sure we got that on the, on tape there. Um, but this was back when I, I was going through my weird Danzig phase. And so, oh man, this is I, dude. I am so excited for Vic to hear this stuff, and I don't even care. Like I say, we just tack it on the end of the podcast. It's so fucking horrible, man. So but we we recorded this song. We wrote it like goddamn. We thought it was great the too. day before or some shit. And uh, oh God, no, I remember coming up with it and then like high five. Oh, we did. <laughs> you we had the, like the little trailer out in the backyard, like a little RV. And so we were like hanging out there. We we're like it was so cool because we were like detached from the house and we we're like just doing our own thing and the music so stoked with coming up with, oh this is gonna be there and i remember getting back the the tape you know amazingly enough we've got back this the actual mastered finished product the uh, same the same <laughs> afternoon it sucked so bad that we were like hey dude this wasn't really what we thought how about just <laughs> 20 bucks 
<laughs> we paid like 20 bucks for this pathetic recording and then but we went back to the i remember sitting in that trailer that night like fucking high five in like we were listening to the to it play back like oh it's so badass like i'm like every you know two seconds i'm doing a dive bomb like every all of my influence back then was slayer so everything is just fucking dive bombs on the guitar so and dave I- is just like I am Glenn Danzig. Dude, like, that, so, yeah. like even the lyrics were fucking stupid. The whole thing was it's always <laughs> called lethal injection. And it was, uh, it was about, uh, uh, the electric chair, which was fucked up because it has nothing to do with lethal injection at all. But it was like, uh, <laughs> so like the, the chorus uh, was the spoken word part that, that uh, skunk did. And he, he would he would cut the mic like this, and and he, he had like this fake like half assed British <laughs> accent. <laughs> well, no, he, but he put some stupid effect on it too. Oh yeah, he's like it's like like, like so. All I remember is like something the the scorcher. It was like d- torture. Should we put all the flange on this? Let's do that. Let's put all the flange on. This. Let's put every effect on ten <laughs> on everything. Yeah. So yeah, it was a uh, it was um fuck. Oh yeah, it was a uh, it was a uh, punishment. Like a medieval torture won't give me time to ride the scorcher, which fucking yeah. is the dumbest line ever. But um, but I was like obsessed, obsessed with Glenn Danzig's like vocal styling, which you know it is what it is. I'm I'm still a, a big fan, but it was it was like dangerous levels back then. So like every song had to be slowed down. It was like you know. <laughs> Like it's like how many it was forty beats a minute? Let's do let's do forty beats. Like boom, <laughs> boom. And so, I wonder, Dave. I wonder what's what's your melody idea on this next one? I wonder. <laughs> like so, like when oh, we went man. in there, we we recorded the the music, and it was just. I remember thinking that we don't have a we don't have a lot of time, and so I recorded my drum tracks in one take. And I, I, there was no fills. It was, it was just like the same, like four, four, like 10 minutes I recorded this one thing. And then, um, you went back and you do guitar tracks on it. And then he had that weird, the fuck it was that Casio, some fucking shit, that weird guitar that had all the, you were playing the strings and wow, I forgot. Yeah, we put yeah. some organs. I don't know if that was on that song. That was on a different song, was, instrumental song. Yeah, but that used that to do the uh, the the bass the organ. Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. And then uh, once we got the three songs down, we went into the uh, vocal booth, um, also, no, also known as his bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and then red flag number two um and so like he got in the closet which in hindsight we should have been the ones like in the closet singing but he was like he that's like i don't and i don't even know why he was in there but he was like he just like turned his rack toward yeah. the closet like i'm gonna be in here like it's my booth and you just sing out there and uh i remember you know i put my cans on i'm like leaning into the mic and and like glenn just took over everything i wish i had that right now in front of me and i would i would play it for you but it was it was like i remember thinking i looked over at you and you're like fuck yes dude keep keep the glenn coming (laughs) and so the song only had two verses and somehow between verse one the chorus and verse two i completely changed the way i sang it so I had to go back and re-record that second verse, um, like a week later, and he didn't charge me for it. Thank God. But that would have been was, like two fifty. Oh man, I was like, oh shit! Another trip to the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> back to my closet. 
<laughs> like Big run. cock, I'm going to need you back in my bedroom. I mean, studio. <laughs> I can't give my dad an extra beer. He won't come bother us. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, uh, that, was, that was tree stump. That was, uh, that was tree stump that we did that with. Uh, and it was, uh, see, it was lethal injection and. Um, ode to uh, a tree stump. Ode to a tree stump and ghost to porn. Yeah. Which was, uh, uh, I don't know how even where that even came from, the idea, because it was from Ghost of War, right? It was then the title of the song, which was a Slayer song. And of course, what we did sounded nothing like like a Slayer song. Oh, and I remember the riff, and the riff somehow reminded me of the Wheel of Fortune theme, but like with a crate amp turned up to 10 and just oh, terrible. Yeah. That's like, the only way uh, you could ever play a crate amp. It has to be on 10. Well, I mean, back then it was like, what was so cool about when I got that amp was it was early DSP, the digital, you know, uh, signal processing and had reverbs and delays. So, of course, I was just like, oh, here's a delay, 10, you know, (laughs) and then everything on 10. And it was just like, so like everything is just swimming in effects. So, yeah, well, your PV had reverb, my Samic didn't. And so I ended up going to Radio Shack and buying like this reverb fucking thing that had like, like all these weird faders that really didn't do anything, but it was like this box. And I ran from my guitar into that and from that into my amp, uh, just like you would like a, like a pedal, uh, but it was for vocals. Um, so it was a little tinny, but it, uh, it did the trick. And then now, of course, my amp at that time was that fucking blue monstrosity that had all those goddamn speakers in it. We've had a funny, um, musical career together because we had our high school moment where we were like, you know, the broom starting with the, you know, brooms and boxes and stuff in your, in your garage and Pepsi being spilled in my parents' house. And, and then we, and then we did the Waco demo and then for 20 bucks and then yeah. we did, that's and then was, we didn't, that's when I was living. And then in we Kansas. didn't do anything cause you moved and you came back and we were just douchebags our senior year basically. Yeah, cause I was living in and, Kansas when, and I came back for the summer and that's when we recorded that record because uh, record Jesus. <laughs> so we recorded well, our debut record. album. So we recorded those three songs. But I went back to Kansas to finish out the school year, and I was playing with a different band up there. And we were doing like, like man, this early '90s in like Topeka, Lawrence was a lot of like hippy dippy shit. And so I was was in a band called Urchkin up there. These oh. guys were fucking awesome. Like I've still got some old tapes of them playing and. And they, they were really good, like really a really good band. And uh, But we did like a lot of anthrax and, and that kind of stuff blended in with some like weird fucking fish trippy jam shit. It was bizarre, but great dudes. But it was very different from what I was used to. When we moved back to Texas, um, that's when I'd, I'd you know, cut all my hair off and we just fucking douchebags for... We'll skip all that. Yeah, so that was... We- I mean, I don't think we did a lot of music. I think we were more concerned about just getting drunk and just being stupid. Yeah. You know, our our senior year. But like, um, I'm sure there's some good stories in there. But musically speaking, when we the next time we did something was just completely a fluke. But it actually was, I think, my first official gig ever. Same with you, I'm assuming. It was in 96. Yeah. And I remember being like so excited to be able like to tell my like teacher like oh yeah. I, I have to cut out a little early i got a gig in waco so and like uh so here's the the, the origin of that but is g- like, give the backstory yeah so i i was working at hastings actually up there in uh in waco and uh some friends of ours uh were in a band called uninvited guests they were a, a early to mid 90s you know bunch of guys that went to baylor 
you know, kind of a party frat man. And they had a gig at this place called Scruffy Murphy's, <clears throat> but they didn't have an opener. And like, I was talking to one of them. He's like, yeah, you're just an opening band. I went, dude, we could open for you. And he's like, oh, you're in a band? I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm in a band. He's like, cool. And that's when I picked up the phone and said, hey, man, we need to put a band together. And he goes like, for what? And I went, because we had a gig Saturday. <laughs> And it was like Monday. And so we, I ended up uh, just like the friends of friends. We got the band together. It was, it was you and I, and, and we got these other two guys, uh, Matt and Chris. Well, hold on. Uh, but well, what made me think of this too was when you were talking about your dad, the random hay, hay baling stuff, like your dad always had like, he, I don't know if he still has it or not, but he had this huge antique shop. Yeah. So he does. Well, so he moved back out to like the farm. So he's got, like ample room now but when we lived in town he had that huge so he he was like a, a antique dealer and he did like furniture refinishing so we had this massive shop in the front of it was like a store where he all of his refinished yeah, stuff so that's where we did our our one probably rehearsal and we sort of recruited just some some various people you knew now what was interesting was you and i were 19 maybe we had the drummer i think his name was bobby was 16 yeah no he was 15 he was he was a badass. Yeah, so we convinced metal, this guy. metal dude. Like, he was all, like a death metal drummer. Yeah. <laughs> dude, you're skipping a whole big part, dude. The, well, we got to, we'll, we'll be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. There's a, there's a lot so we, we here that we're just going to kind of get to it. There, so we, we somehow convinced three people under the age of 16 to come to <laughs> my dad's antique shop in the middle of the country <laughs> and play fucking music for a gig that we were not going to get paid for. That was going to be in a couple days. And so, but we did, we, you're we 15, you don't care about getting paid, oh, fuck you know? no. but this kid, that God, he was fucking awesome. The drummer, yeah, the was, drummer was the best part. Like he was great. And then the other guy, like, um, one dude was, he came all out, man. And he had the tone, like the industrial and he had the dreads and the thing. And I mean, it, this, it was just the funniest warlock, thing. Remember? Yeah, he was playing a pink warlock, just total rock star. Out. I got to give the guy credit in hindsight. We were kind of snickering at the time. You and I being oh, complete Jesus. ass clowns yeah, straight I, out of college class, so like Vic, with I, our speaking I of the my structure, fucking pager yeah. in the middle of the show. I'm like, mm, yeah, he kept Dave's nervous anxiety. He's checking his pager because he's got these big, <laughs> you know, drug deals to make. Yeah, so I knew nine people, eight of them were there. <laughs> I'm like, eh, just in case, let's see if somebody went to the phone booth and fucking called me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sitting there playing my blue Ivan as like like I should be rocking out proper because we did like Crazy Train and Man in the Box and For Whom the Belt. I mean, it had a, we did a bunch of cool old you know covers of the day. I mean, they're still classics and and a couple of originals. But but I mean, I'm sitting up there with my parted combed hair and my shirt tucked in. I mean, it was just the most mixed. You had this death metal drummer. You had us looking all preppy. Like we, we walked off the set of Saved by the Bell. You had. You know this one metal dude in this, and then you had that bass player who was just kind of like the you know I'm just gonna be, average Joe. Yeah, like, I'm whatever. here and playing like, bass. And then his go. his moment in the sun was when they like that we were like cool. We'll take a break and they played a corn song. Yeah. Somehow we drug that set out. I, I feel like we played for like an hour and a half. It was like we a played long, it felt way like we played longer long, than we were supposed long to. Time. Yeah. Um, and um, anyway, that was our first gig, and then. Uh, th that could be, you know, a podcast in of itself, <laughs> but like the, the, just this, the absurdities in and outs of that gig. But then like when we ended up playing again, I don't think we played more. I, I don't remember, but we, that's what's well, get into pitchfork, I guess is we were because then that I moved, you know, 
and and uh-huh. like, we recorded that one song in my apartment. Oh yeah, we did record a song in like um, 1998 or 99. Yeah. Yeah, and it was from what I remember for the. But time, someone wanted was, to buy it and it like went missing. You told I mean I forgot all about that. Yeah, because that local like, oh, man here I just sold it. Damn thing. And we yeah we could have made ten bucks off of it. Could've, we well, could've hey made, man, that's like that's made, half of a fucking album, buddy. We, we could have made forty. <laughs> bucks. Been, oh, yeah, <laughs> could have paid for half of our next EP with that. <laughs> but <laughs> so you, you got to fast forward to what two thousand three, maybe four, and we no, was, were. I think it was five because I mean I came back in two thousand. Well, I moved to Austin in two thousand four. Okay, so, so maybe late two thousand four. There, two thousand. What was when my brother moved back too, though? So yeah, it would have probably been. 2005 so i don't even know how the hell did pitchfork even start so we were i had come down there um to i don't know i just came up like for the weekend yeah look at that's a dope ass shirt man the uh i I came down there for the weekend and and we actually sold this shit too we did dude we made it that we had had panties we had shirts we'd just buy a bunch of cheap shit at walmart and then iron fucking stuff on it (laughs) (laughs) so i had come down for the weekend or something just to hang out and we were like at your uncle's warehouse i guess yeah and uh your brother was there and i don't remember how the fucking pitchfork ended up there i yeah, I don't know either why there was oh, we why were, the fuck there was oh because it, maybe there was a Halloween but for some weird, random reason we had this plastic pitchfork and it was there and, and so we, that's we were in, where the like fucking a, name came from. So very reminiscent to playing in my dad's antique warehouse. We're in your uncle's, I guess, vending company warehouse, mm-hmm. and there was like a little side room that we'd set up and we were just rocking out, and mm-hmm. we ended up. Which we are known to do is is we'll get together and start just jamming and we make up these fucking stupid songs. And this one, we started singing about that pitchfork, that big red pitchfork was, was <laughs> the song we, we kept playing. We were having a, a fun time doing it. And then it just kind of evolved into, I don't remember how, like, what was the name of that fucking bar on... Uh, I don't know, but I feel I feel like it was the same situation where we, we somehow in our minds said that we, we sort of created a band before we had a band and then somehow oh you i bet it was giddy ups it was giddy ups we that's talked what about, it was yeah when we used to play at giddy ups all the fucking time and oddly enough they just absolutely fucking loved us dude you know we, we were so different though than i think anyone else that's ever played there by far like we had such a we were fucking, so all over the place because we had such a great place we had two drummers <laughs> uh there was uh there was there was two drummers we had the guy on keys uh you and your brother, there was another guitar player. It was, just, it was a huge band. And, yeah. um, we played several shows there. We ended up doing like this run right around Christmas time. Uh, we played like four nights, like the week before oh, yeah. Christmas or some shit. And then we played yeah, that, that, uh, yeah. that biker yeah. rally. Uh, that well, we, we thought it was awesome too, because like I hadn't, well, I guess by that point I'd probably been in Austin about a year and Vic, we had met, that was around the time we were in Spanish class before I had joined Porter Shackle. And, and funny enough, MySpace had just come out. I remember we got on MySpace and that was, <laughs> I was meeting people that way. And I had met Quarter Shackle and was supposed to do like an audition, but they had, a, they were in between guitar players and they'd gotten all these fucking auditions. And it was a right around Christmas it was right around the time we did all those gigs. Like I was supposed to do one and they were like, Oh, I, I talked to Joe, the singer. And he was just like, Oh yeah, we, we ended up settling on a guy. So they found a guy and I'm like, Oh, all right. And then, you know, three, four, four months later, I end up getting a call like, Hey man, <laughs> he still totally didn't work out. So I ended up joining those guys early ne- the next year. But yeah, we had, we were like at the time we had played the giddy ups a whole bunch. We played like pooties 
I think it was called like Pooties Poodle Dog Lounge, Pooties, yeah. but a, a bunch oh, of these man. like outskirts dive bars and little places, you know, all kinds of that stuff. And uh, but we hadn't done any like proper quote six street gigs, I guess. And then all of a sudden we did, we got like three, and yeah. we were just like for us, it was just like fuck yeah, man, we're playing six street finally. And, and then we were like, oh, no wonder it's the holidays and nobody's here. Fucking 12 people here. <laughs> Come see us play every single day up to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We played like. We, we, oh, we played, played like three. And you lived in Waco. Like it was crazy. Like I yeah, worked we, at like, a lumberyard. Three yard. nights in a row. I think Dave was driving down to play in, uh, on. Oh, I goodness. worked at a lumberyard. I had to be there at six in the morning and I would work all day, drive down and play and then have to turn around and drive back. You know, so I wouldn't get home until like two hours where I had to be. Uh, and then <laughs> and then God. fucking go do that and then drive back to Austin. That's that's a hardcore. We didn't we played uh, headhunters, right? That week. We played headhunters and we played BD Riley's. BD Riley's we the last show we played was at BD Riley's. That was two that's days before Riley's. Christmas. And I it was probably not I guess it was around that time, late two thousand five, where we also did play up in Waco. Oh, um, Lakeside. Some yeah, we played a gig. All them little yellow pills. Uh, Little, you know, like a Matthew McConaughey, you know what? So drug, drug dealer. We owner. did. We played Lakeside and Waco. We played that place in Bastrop, where you threw the pitch oh, at somebody. That was like the most classic gig of my career. That yeah, we had throwing pitchforks, mooning the music. owner. It was a fucked up gig, man. <laughs> yeah. man. It was a crazy ass gig. We we came up with like uh, okay, we're gonna come into you know this song and and. Uh, it'll be like this huge epic thing and it wasn't it was just like we got i had this whole i in my mind it was Ozfest. there was a fucking side door we had two full sets we had so many goddamn songs from faith no more to pink floyd to rage against the machine i mean we were we we had black sabbath typo negative willie nelson it was just everywhere so to as as we as you've probably learned from this this so far that i I like to make shit like to build shit and so i built that light box for that show that it had it was a a red light bulbs in a strobe that was in a box that faced inward and i had it hooked up to a, a a power strip switch so when we opened that show with um fuck uh from out of no surprise your dad yeah no uh, no from out of nowhere it was from out of nowhere. that's right so yeah. as soon as like we you know we get that four count i stomped on that switch and we had like these red strobes like flashing at us for that that intro part and then hit another switch and it was just red lights on us and it was so badass i'm like this is cool stuff's gonna work and then and you uh, played guitar on that song and I I played, which i i'm not very good at <laughs> so <laughs> but, open here, here's the thing it did it you whether you played guitar well or not on that song was the least of our problems because what happened for what it was out in the middle of goddamn nowhere props to all my friends back then who would come out and see us play like we actually had a pretty good amount of people there yeah and it was a fun thing but the problem was was i had gone out there a buddy of a friend of mine had had booked it and said oh man you guys you know someone from giddy ups had put it together and said you guys need to play out here uh, do you remember big brad by any chance vic harmonica player we used yeah, to play yeah, yeah. he's the guy that yep. played on a good rogerings born to follow uh he's yeah. the harmonica player on unfortunately he oh, passed i didn't away. know i don't know who's uh, the guy that that play. okay that's cool that makes sense. yeah yeah big brad man. Oh, wow. an amazing okay. guy just a, a great great person a great friend and, and and musician and um he was the one that set up that gig and oh yeah i used to play out here all the time it's a cool place blah blah, blah. we went and put flyers up and did this whole big thing 
And the when you fucking get there, well, it turns out the owners just, I mean, this was such a bizarre fucking place. And there was actually people that, that did come there, but it was a bar slash little eatery kind of place slash no shit feed barn yep. where you could buy like, like a little grocery store where you could buy like feed for your fucking animals. It was just the most random ass fucking hillbilly joint out in the middle of nowhere. And so we made this big fucking thing about it. We had this big show plan. We go out there. The owner, I get there. The owner's drunk off his ass, doesn't even know there's a band playing, even though there's flyers hanging up. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? He's bringing a grumpy old bastard just to get out the PA and shit. I mean, it was just, it was just it was shitty from the get-go because he was such an asshole. So we get everything set up. We start playing this show. I've never, I mean, I probably have, you know, pushed some buttons and experienced some, some weird things, but... I do remember, I don't know if you remember this, Dave, like we, the, the dynamic was so bizarre because we were so extreme that we went from like, we would have, I remember we went from something like a, a, a Willie Nelson song or something where we had people dancing. And then the very next minute we were playing like a typo negative song and oh, people yeah. were booing, yeah. you know? So it was, <laughs> I don't know why it seemed like, it was, it was like <laughs> and here's what like, man, then then in the middle when we in between sets there was a there was a fight and an altercation in the parking lot where someone may may or may not have gotten stabbed so then there was that then when we came back out someone had the genius idea of putting on a big goat head that they had for a halloween costume and we were running around poking this guy with pitch i mean it just turned into a goddamn guar sideshow it was like it was a fucking bizarre thing and and then the guy got all mad and tried to you know shut us down and I started throwing things into the crowd. I mean it was very strange, but but um, when we the whole opening thing at the very least I had this opening plan that I thought was going to be so cool, and we were supposed to like it was probably the same intro music, Kamina uh, Barana from the Ozzy show. Yeah, yeah, I think it was some shit, some big epic. We're, we're in a goddamn feed barn and I'm trying to do Ozfest, and so we had this intro music and shit. And Brad was supposed to like. He was the guy, the, the guy that was gonna like you know, hit the music stop when Dave kicked on the lights and then da na 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 we were gonna launch it from out of nowhere it, in in two drums like it was in theory really cool you know, and the music stops and there's just feedback it was like really weird and turns out like he, some emergency came up with his daughter and he had to leave and I'm sitting there going like Jesus Christ where's Brad and like anyway it was a fucking disaster from like the get go but. Um, but there it, was that we yeah. had, but the funny thing was, is that we had this weird, like cult kind of a thing going with pitchfork. It was just, it was you, when you were at the show, it was, you, you never knew what we were going to do. So we played that, that, uh, that biker rally and we opened for ourselves. So there were six of us yeah. <laughs> that played. We did, we did. We were like, the, we were like totally doing the Melvins thing. Yeah. We opened for ourselves, but in reverse. Yeah. And so we had, there was a six piece that opened the show and then, uh, we came back as a three piece to finish, but here's the, the, where it gets weird. We didn't tell the other three we were going to do that. It was really bad. It was really bad. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, it was kind of a dick move, but we, um, what? one cool thing about that biker rally though. And I remember setting that up. It was probably one of the first things that I actually set up. It was, um, well, the place was called, I think, I don't even know if it's red's door door or something now it's some south i don't know anyway well i can't remember what it was called back then but kind of set it up and we had a couple of performers acoustic before us and then we had our our big thing and but one thing i remember that was cool about that show is remember how we our flyer i took a picture of hoist my dog and 
we, we had a little hat on that said rock and roll and it had our pitchfork blah blah on it and then all these people and all these bikers like signed it i've still got that somewhere it was pretty pretty cool yeah it was like a uh, yeah a, they did like a toy run or something it was like all this cool. oh it was a, yeah it was one of those it was one of those that, toy run yeah. drives yeah yeah that was a it was it was a cool it was a cool show um yeah, we played all the. I do remember for us the, three. Yeah, I do remember you saying uh, before we did Werewolves of London. You were like, "Hey, you bikers are gonna love this." I'm like, "Why the fuck? We're all gonna die." Don't. Yeah, just I, like being like like a total like uh uh you know, I mean I th- I do think it's like honestly it's pretty safe to say you play a biker rally and you're like, "Hey, if we play Sweet Home Alabama and Steppenwolf, like they're gonna <laughs> dig it." But yeah. what you don't do is go on stage and be like, "You bikers are gonna love this." <laughs> You bikers. <laughs> That's probably, there's probably a PC law about that at this point. I, I just, yeah. we had not been woke yet. yet no, at that we point. were I definitely, didn't, I didn't know any better. I was just a woke. stupid white guy. I didn't know anything about anything. We were still, I thought all bikers were the same. Biker lives matter. Anyway. Um, yeah. So just being an <laughs> asshole, like I've always been, but you're, you're right. It was a funny thing because I, I think that, to me, that was a perfect predecessor to a good Rogering, which a good Rogering didn't come around until a couple of years later, you know, kind of as I once you, I got in the quarter shackle and then that called me evolved. and said, dude, I've, I'm doing this other band. You're going to love the name. And I went, what's it called? And you told me, I went, are you fucking serious? You go, yeah, what do you think? And I'm like, that's awesome. That's what, what's it going to be? I didn't know what you were about to say there. I didn't know if I remember if you were like, that's the dumbest name ever or dude, dude we, it we, is a weird thing. We, it's we, a 50, 50. We named our first band, the diseased disciples of the metal church. So that's a good point. Yeah. You know, that's a good point. I think I'm okay with a good Rodring, but it was, yeah. Some of the old, some of the old classic names were a uh, diseased, uh, literally diseased disciples of the metal church. When I'm pretty sure we fucking high fived in the yeah, football bleachers oh, when we came up yeah, with that. Man. Like, raging <laughs> anger, which I was like, was like, man, raging anger. And I all through our, like our high school career, like I wanted to, I had a, drew a logo on my book cover and Dave was always like, that's the dumbest <laughs> fucking name. <laughs> it, it didn't fit with like what we were doing. So like raging against the machine, it was its perfect name for what they play. No, Doctor we Rock, Rock's lethal injection yeah. was more, way more appropriate for our. That's right. We're trying so hard to be a glam rock band. It wasn't just lethal injection; it was Doctor Rock's lethal injection. Yeah. We had to make with sure. a little needle. <laughs> Please tell me you have one of those drawings somewhere that we I can uh, share. I do. I don't have it here. I mean, yeah. you don't have to show it right now. We can post it on social media for the world. So to, the only to reason I'm looking around is because Heather and I were digging through the uh, the crawl space. Um, so like in the attic, I don't keep our good shit in the attic because the heat in Houston, but we've got this air conditioned crawl space. All of our stuff from, from like eighth grade on is all in this box in there. So all the book covers and hit parader magazines and yeah. Yeah. So the lethal injection part, the end came up into a syringe and there was always like a drop of blood, which I never knew why, because like, what what we shoot heroin, what we do (laughs) with that, there was like, there never really should have been blood coming out of it, but the, uh. Somewhere there was a needle in something related to Motley Crue. That was this. It was just all the guys of Motley Crue dying from heroin just made you go. I have to put a needle in my logo. So we like every song though that we wrote back. I wrote every song had to have the a girl's name Marie. There had to be something about a door, <laughs> like something true at, story at midnight. <laughs> so. And you just made shit up like nickel <laughs> fabric, like literally just made shit up that doesn't exist so yeah because like it was it sounded it sounded medieval and so like the chorus of that song was was uh something nickel fabric coat of the demon's son so it's like that doesn't make any fucking sense at all like that'd be a really heavy coat right for a kid so 
It's like the demon's son. He's wearing that. Is that made of nickel? What is that? So you should write a song about that. So it's like I had the uh, like the the wherewithal to to know that I wanted to do something different. So I was trying to write lyrics, like you know, like uh, like Steve Harris, but. Um, I wanted them to, to sound like Vince Neil. So it was just like, it was just a shit on shit sandwich. It was never good. <laughs> um, or I, you know, we wrote green demon, which I, I'm not going to quote the lyrics on that one, but it was just fucking ridiculous. I mean, none of it made any sense. You wrote that. I mean, once upon a time I'd be like, no, no, we wrote, but now I'm like, no, no, you wrote. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was definitely me. Anyway. The, uh, so we, we had our, our stylings that we would like, there were, we'd come together and it's like, okay, I wrote this song, I wrote this song, it'd be great. Um, but a lot of it was just like basically bad poetry. It was like really shitty. About shitty Demons, poetry. Doors, and Marie. That's right. Whoever this Marie chick was. <sighs> I but know, the whole Pitchfork, know you know, Marie that was. eventually led to Pitchfork, you know, in a kind of sort of weird, which was, I don't know, it was still like just a fun we just had, I think for you, for you, me and my brother, that was just fun. My brother had come back from LA after hostile groove and, and doing that. And he had toured with those guys and done an album. And I think, and he just had a lot of change going on and was searching for himself. You were, uh, well, I was in a I don't dark know. place back then. So it was, yeah, you know, like, and I, I had just more or less moved to Austin. And I think we were just, for us, it was kind of like reconnecting back really like 10 years prior to, to when we were, you know, in fucking high school and just playing, you know, playing again and, and actually going out and playing gigs. And it was just a lot of fun. You know? Well, if you think about the songs that we did back then, so we had like, you know, three night stand and double decker and like all those, the songs that when we were playing them, if you didn't pick up on what your brother was singing, like it just sounded like this, like a good rock song. But then if you mm-hmm. listen, like, did he just say, you be the bread, I'll supply the meat. I mean, it's like, what? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, Double Decker was a pretty good classic. So, know? like, one of the Pitchfork logos, um, you know, it said Pitchfork, but underneath it, it had, you know, like the the sign when you're going into, the, like, the restroom, like the stick figure guy and the stick figure women. It was the it was the stick figure woman, man, woman. Like, they were holding hands, and it just said Double Decker <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were always we were always real conscious and super PC as well because we also had a shirt that said "Hose Love to Fork." Yeah, we did that. Yeah, Hose Love to Fork, and oh, I think it oh. was done with like a hoe, a little heart, and then a you know I we had like I remember we had symbol shirts, and I was hoping that I had one of those, and maybe I do, but this is all oh, I found. Yeah, I forgot about those. Yeah, we had um, we had um, so we would do um, paranoid, and I remember being. Um, I don't remember where we were at, but it was one of the songs. So it would have been when there were still six of us because I sang that one. And I remember, I think it might have been, it wasn't been a giddy up. So I wouldn't have done this there. But I remember I was getting irritated with everything that was going on. And so it's like when Ozzy says, you know, can you help me, you know, occupy my brain? I leaned forward and said, can you help me pitchfork fuck your mama in the butt? <laughs> <laughs> pointed to this table like you, your mama. <laughs> It was just like, like, what am I angry about? I've got nothing to be angry yeah, about. I think it was uh, confusing at best. One of my favorite memories was uh, we played Giddy Ups many times, but when we were, oh, and back to, you know, when you're talking about the light thing and you built, remember we had the, we had those barrels of, oh, you know, the kind yeah. of like toxic waste biohazard barrels that we had the pitchfork. We had like a, we literally had a fucking set and you had this gigantic 
gigantic banner that you made. So we like had all this bullshit. Like we had like a, a, a set. You know, we had stuff. so like Austin and the, his buddy would come down. Like we had roadies. <laughs> like that's right. Tear Jesus down. Christ. Oh, we had, yeah, we. <laughs> We, we, were, I, we had more for Pitchfork than I have now. Like we had a fucking <laughs> proper set of. I mean, it was ghetto, but we had a set of stuff. We had roadies. Yeah, that's a yeah, nice. Had, well, it was a I huge, forgot, man. It was, it was a, a, some cool shit. It was a king size bed sheet that I had. I had. Um, <laughs> I think I've still got that somewhere. So the Pitchfork logo was backwards, and that was done on accident because I was printing out some some iron ons and forgot to reverse the image for I printed them. I'm like, oh shit, well, this is kind of cool. And so when I made the the banner. I just wrote it backwards. So like everything had pitchfork written backwards on it. And uh, so we had this enormous, it was a huge black bed sheet with pitchfork in red. And then we had like those big toxic waste barrels and we had Dr. Kenneth Noisewater, this three foot skeleton that sat on top of it. And we had like Our tip bucket. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the tip bucket was a, was like a child's like when they're learning how to go to the bathroom, like a potty training seat. It was one of those. And then we had it, was this was this all before I met you? Like I can't remember, man. Do you remember any of this shit? Or was this before I met you? No, I think I think it was right before because I, when we met, it was uh I think you you were just getting the gig at Strum and then you also were I think you were waiting to hear back from Quarter Shackle. Okay, so yeah. early two thousand six, I guess, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, we had all that. And then I was going to say, Dave, that time that we, it wasn't even the set yet. It was, we were doing a sound check and we were all on different instruments and whatever. And I remember it was at Giddy Ups where you would just have, strangely enough, like young people would come there and fucking party and have an absolute blast. And amazingly enough, like we would sell merch and, and all that. But like, um, there was like a lot of old timers there and shit too, you know? And I remember we started playing outside and little, covered area they have outside and uh and then this old dude like we see this guy start kind of walking out on a walker and i'm like and i'm thinking to myself like ah shit we're already driving people out and then the motherfucker just like lifts his hands up from his walker and just starts fucking rocking oh yeah, he was, was going like, nuts. dude yes like that was pretty cool well, yeah it was it was uh i don't know i think it was just entertaining if nothing else you so know we, I, I play a cowbell solo Oh at, yeah, we had that's got cowbells. But that's that was it at uh, <laughs> uh, like. Oh no, well, you got a compliment too from Frosty of all people. Oh, at that's a, right. At, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the night that I ended up playing. Um, uh, was it? Time? You had to jump in halfway and play a right-handed kit because our drummer went up and had a beer and started hitting on some chick at the bar. Yeah, I, <laughs> like we had two uh, drummers and they were each playing a half set, and then all of a sudden our drummer just walked off, and I was like, "What the fuck's happening?" And Dave just got on the drums and, and played, finished out a set with us. I think. But yeah, we were playing Pink Fucking Floyd too. So I'm trying to play. It wasn't time. I don't remember what it was. Was it? I don't know. It was brain. Yeah, damage. it might have been time or brain damage. One of those. Brain damage. Yeah. yeah, an eclipse. And so I was trying to play that backwards. Like, like my, my foot's not wanting to do what it's supposed to, but it ended up being like, I nailed this fill. I'm like, this is pretty good. This is great. And so after he came back, we played something else and I started, I was like just beating this cowbell. We played that mad season song. Remember that we played wake up. It's the only time I've ever played that live. I think maybe. Yeah. And so I started like, just like going to town on this cowbell, like really getting after it. And this lady came up after the show and she's like, you know, you were great on the cowbell, which is just a bizarre thing to tell anybody <laughs> to begin with. But she wanted me to sign one of my sticks and give it to her. And I'm like, um, yeah, all right. 
I guess you can you can have this. Well, we, yeah, we had that whole backstory we came up with where you studied in, uh, you know, the, Nepal or some shit. The, the ancient art of Hoysidian <laughs> cowbell. Hoysidian cowbell. But we, uh, but yeah, Frosty. <laughs> I got a compliment from which was fucking great. Uh, that that was that was cool to to get that. But when we went and played in Bastrop, the feed store. We had now. <laughs> I was gonna play this fucking cowbell solo because how cool is this gonna be? And that's when we played it during um, uh, another break in the wall because it went straight from. We, we did that little like Floyd, like three or four Floyd song medley, oh. and so. But during that one, that's when I was gonna start playing the cowbell, and I remember that it was, you know, during the solo part. So everyone's quiet. I'm just like railing on this fucking bell. And we had done it before, and it was funny, but here it wasn't. Like no one wanted to be there, and it was really awkward. And then it must have been po- it must have been post knife fight. It was just bad timing. It was just awful. And I'm like, this is not going well. But I'm already committed to it, so I guess I'm just not keep. Was doing there it. a guy running around in front of the stage with a goat hat head on by any chance? I no, mean, that was tough. That was it, not. You can't the, take it all personally when you're in a feed barn. And this was and, before and, the goat head incident it was just awful like i think was it was the last time i'm like gonna do a cowbell solo was there anybody running around barefoot like a giddy-ups Oof. oh man <laughs> giddy-up story um oh. you remember ted you know and um and i feel kind of like a dick because i was up there somewhat recently not too long before this whole pandemic thing happened like uh with bull playing a little acoustic set and because uh, he was like, oh, I'm playing Giddy Ups and would you like? And I was like, OK, but we didn't have a rehearsal or do anything. And, and it was just this kind of off the cuff stuff. And I was having amp. Pro- Ugh, it was not my favorite gig. I did not feel good about it. And you know, a few friends were there or whatever. But like I was actually seeing some people that I hadn't seen since I fucking moved here, for God's sake, back in the pitchfork, 2000, you know, for 15 years, Ted being one of them. And I didn't really say anything because it's been so long. But that. Dude, I feel like I have aged like a thousand years just in the past five years. This fucking guy, he looked like shit from, you know, like back then doing like mounds of cocaine. And, you know, uh, here I'm just saying all this fucked up shit about this dude. But like, you know, heavy drinking. And this guy still looked exactly the same with a full head. Of, I mean, his hair was gray as fuck back then. Still gray, still has all his hair. I'm like, how the fuck is this guy? Still look this good. Anyway, okay. he's up there and there's still the old the old guys still doing the open mic and stuff from where I kind of met, you know, guys like Brad and these players. And, and amazingly enough, like, uh, you know, I've been at Giddy Ups in the past where I don't know how it is nowadays, but but guys like, um, you know, one of the guys we're talking about, Rob and Mesa had re- recorded was um, Morali uh, Coryall, you know, famous uh, Larry Coryall's son who's a famous jazz guy. And he's a, a blues dude in his own. One of those guys that grew up in like. Oh, Jimi Hendrix is at my house now, kind of shit or something, you know. And he's toured all over and Grammy, blah blah, and Ernie Durawa, drummer, and uh, fucking James Cotton used to go up there and play, famous harmonica player. Like so, every now and then, like it kind of really cool. You'd kind of get these uh, dudes popping in that was was was. I mean, there's some really good, fantastic musicians there. Anyway, blah blah blah. The um, I was kind of uh, up there, and I just remember seeing this guy, but it made me think of this. Uh, story when with the whole bear yeah because that guy used to run around fucking barefoot which is just yeah. fucking disc it's gross anyway but just, and get, jesus christ man fucking gross <laughs> no, so no. fucking one time <laughs> 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 i mean he really was hobbit size i'll be honest yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Little yeah. short dude little hobbit running around fucking barefoot so he did earn the title <laughs> but Anyway, I'm sitting at the bar one time, and I think it was one of those places that maybe had they had beer, but you could bring in your own liquor or something like that. So he's got a bottle of vodka or a bottle of something, 
and it was like, you want a drink? I'm like, sure. And like pour like half, you know, Coke and drink. And dude, like a scene out of goddamn National Lampoon's Vacation, his fucking girlfriend, his chick sticks her fucking finger in my drink to stir it. I'm just like, <laughs> nope. Oh, dude, no, my man. Oh. Uh, anyway, and she yeah, looked like Gollum. Good, good times. It was kind of a weird thing. What's that? And she looked like Gollum, so it was kind of this weird thing. Like uh, like Gollum, <laughs> like uh, what's her name <laughs> from, Ted, oh, uh, from Ted Two? From Ted Two, yeah. We're gonna get back on Black Cox again. <laughs> finish our, <laughs> finish the episode out with Black Cock Talk. <sighs> and here's our Black Cock Talk section. So you know we talked about this. Um, there's the I mean we've had one podcast. Uh, well, this is the third podcast. So the first time we were talking about though doing the uh, the woke award and a Glazer award. Woke award, I think, is kind of self-explanatory. Maybe it could just be for a pompous, like, oh, look at me. I'm so better than you and more awake than you. And Glazer is just like, I'm trying way too hard and I'm a douchebag. So those are our two. Any? Do you have any nominations? I think we're going to do this as a once a month. Do you have any nominations for the Woke or the Glazer Award? I think Steve, Maiden Steve from back in the day could uh, could uh, get a Glazer Award. Jesus Christ, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but what do we have currently? Okay, nothing. About I'm just trying to think. Who's got the best black cock? How about that? Oh, I do clearly. But <laughs> oh, that's right. Big. That, we failed to mention throughout this whole thing. We're talking about your big cock, but it is in fact black. It is black. Yes, that's I'm like Maven so cool. Johnson. So you're, yeah, you're <laughs> the. Uh, so it's it's funny because like you know we remember that whole Steve incident. We remember the, like everything. That guy was such a fucking douche. You know, here we are learning you know, how to be in a band, learning how to play instruments in a, in a group. And this guy's like, man, you spilled my Pepsi. Man, I'm, I'm going to lay down on the floor. <laughs> you know, it, well, should we tell the, uh, should we, we should also tell, I mean, this, this lines up great for the Glazer thing. We should also mention the, his, 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 um, deep insight into women. And, um, I guess, how, how do you want to, I'll, I'll, I'll take, let's take this one day. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, oh yeah. So he, um, he was very eloquent in the way that he wanted <laughs> That's to, the word. to teach us the ways of, uh, of being a true man. And, um, we were, we were <laughs> us high school freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. We were sitting down talking one day and, and, uh, we were at fucking, uh, Taco Bell. Was it Taco Bell? Or was we were at the I think, fucking, so. I think yeah, I thought it was when we went to go see in the Ruts play, and he was there with us that time. But he, oh yeah, in the Ruts, that was my guitar player's man. Yeah, yeah, it might that. have been. That was this. No, that was the time he explained us how to headbang. Oh, properly. that's right, that's right. But he goes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this was an unwarranted, and I'd like to state on record that <laughs> this was 1991, <laughs> and neither one of us said this. This came from a third party. He gave out of nowhere. He goes. You know when you have the most control over a woman? And before we could go, maybe we don't want to have this conversation. He goes, when you've got your dick in her. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude? <laughs> like, like, even then we're like, maybe you shouldn't say that. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm uncomfortable now, but I guarantee you in 30 years, I'll be even more uncomfortable telling this story. But it was like, he had this... Uh, this uh this girlfriend who was um i hate to use two rush references but she looked like a short getty lee she was really not an attractive <laughs> woman um and he was just like <laughs> a, 
obsessed with this girl. Oh, like she took some like those glamour shots. Remember the glamour shots? The girls would go to the mall and get those. No, we went over to his place and he was like, there were, there he had all shots. this maiden paraphernalia and all these album covers and stuff all over his wall. And he's like, but check this one out and like points. And I, you know, I was been blind forever. So I don't think I, I used to never wear my glasses. And he was like, fine <laughs> he points it and all i can see all i can see is that it's a picture of a woman in a bikini and, and i'm like oh nice and then i like walk closer and i'm like yeah <laughs> so she has gone to glamour shots and got these bikini pictures done and it he had like on his wall in his bedroom like yeah i mean it was just like oh fuck steve really <laughs> um but can you imagine this guy listening to this? Like uh, it's some weird alternate universe. Like it just going, Jesus fucking Christ! Thirty years ago, and these fucking assholes are railing on me, like because I spilled a fucking Pepsi thirty fucking years ago and had a girlfriend. <laughs> Jesus! Hey man, you should have never put your dick in her, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I still can't get over that short Getty Lee, man. That's a that's a pretty accurate description there. She was yeah, uh, she was awesome. not an attractive young lady. Um, but do you remember when they broke up? And it like oh fucking, he was crushed. Yeah, he. I remember we were standing at my locker, and he he comes walking by. He's got tears, right? So he he's just like all distraught. And we're like, "What, man? What's up?" And he's like, holds up her picture. And he's like, "That's what's up." Getty <laughs> like, left me. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's on tour she flew by night i guess she was she decided to roll someone else <laughs> i'm not in her limelight anymore yeah. uh. someone else's bones got rolled i guess <laughs> she's going out with tom sawyer <laughs> oh, shit. uh he wasn't progressive enough for her no. she, she didn't like my she, she didn't like my four four <laughs> she's like mm, no <laughs> <laughs> Only you and I could fucking like turn musician jokes into co- you know sexual cop jokes. Jeez, she was anyway. Bad. She was bad. All right. Well, um, what else? I guess that let's. It seems like we're ending on a high note if we stop there. Yeah, it's probably best to end there on a high note, dude, because. Where can we go after calling someone's girlfriend Getty Lee and then short short Getty Lee (laughs) and then referencing a bunch of Rush songs to describe their breakup? Does she have that high pitched uh, voice when she talked? I don't remember what she sounded like, but now that's all I can hear is like everything she said was just in his voice. The um, so I will um. I'm going to look in that, uh, that box of shit and I'm going to get some of those old, uh, album cover or book covers. And, uh, dude, what I think would be absolutely awesome. If clearly I have no, I mean, I have a track record that speaks for itself, which I have, you know, um, clearly no problem embarrassing myself and having, you know, very little, um, concern with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, good, (laughs) good choices in terms of what I put out sometimes. So for me, whatever, but I think we should at the end, you know, like, like uh Vic added on the, the Ted stuff at the end of the first podcast, I think it'd be hilarious to add in a little something in this podcast somewhere. You know what we should start doing? We should have done something like, well, let's have a listen to that track and take it. You know what I mean? And then we can insert it. We should have done some shit like that. And we could put it in the middle of, we got to look, so I have, um, I've got to put in one of these lethal injection songs, put up a couple of pictures of this book covers and some of this old shit. I think it'd be hilarious so to include that in this. A couple MP3 versions of some of that 
early stuff. So I've got like Paradise City and yeah. something else. Oh, yeah. I'll oh, man, that. it's... I mean, make sure they're short clips because no one's going to want to listen to more than three seconds of it. But it's it's pretty funny to like, like hear us trying to play, and it is horrific. Like, I, I think each, each one is like five, six seconds long. They're real short. Yeah, so a couple of those clips, and then I think like at least part of Lethal Injection, just to get the taste of your Danzig and my what we thought was the most amazing guitar solo of all time back then. And Jeez, just so to hear a little snidbit of that. And, so uh, um, any, any, yeah. And I want to see those book covers, or we at least, at least something, you know. Yeah. I'm, uh, unfortunately, I don't have my too short one anymore, but I'm sure you got your. Oh, Jesus, dude! All yours covered in you know, faster pussycat and bands that Molly I was crew, not trickster and of. firehouse. Oh shit! And I've got some where I I misspelled Queensrÿche, so I like added as <laughs> like an extra C or some shit, but the. Uh, well, I had of, one where I wrote I was writing Queen, fire Queensrÿche. I was writing firehouse on my book, but I accidentally left out the U. So it was like fire hose. And then I like squeezed in a little U. <laughs> so to this very day, anytime I see, like I was at the airport and you walk to the park and you see something that says fire hose. I'm like, I want to go put a U on it. <laughs> it's just funny to me. And like no one yeah. else, but you was going to find that humorous, but, uh, but yeah, I'll dig some of that stuff up and, and, and get it sent over to you because the, um, I, I did, I saved like some, real small clips. I think I was just trying to test out some of the equipment that I have to see if it would work uh, to clean it up. And um, I've, I've got, they might be 10 seconds long, maybe max, but I'll send you a couple yeah. of those. Awesome, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll put some fun stuff on this, on this deal. This was uh it was a good, good trip down memory lane. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, and who gives a shit what we talked about for the first two hours? The fucking short Getty Lee and <laughs> Bilbo, you know, Hobbit Man was made it all fucking worthwhile. So, so, so if, if, if it, I'll tell everyone, just go to the last fucking the last ten minutes is fucking great. So if here's when you, you know when when you guys want to talk like '80s porn, just let me know because that's when that's when you're gonna see like oh shit that guy knows way too much about oh i i hadn't noticed <laughs> considering your backdrop in the very big i you know now that you mentioned that to anyone who didn't know they can go research try to see if they can figure out we should have a we could put a question on that who is in the background on on the beginning of this podcast for dave if we do i guess we'll do the visual because we can do it right with the skype now uh, see there we go right there boom there's Bam. my boys boom. right there so there we can, you go we'll have a contest we'll give away a, a old pair of pitchfork panties. <laughs> <laughs> what's up tt hang on don't. Uh, no 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 don't say the names no 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 like, this is gonna we gotta give a contest we gotta give a contest you're picking their noses for him um I can lean in oh man this is the guy on the left once you find out is you need to go read his biography and yes he does have a website and yes it's goddamn as funny as you think a porn star's biography <laughs> self-written biography <laughs> would be. <laughs> it's oh good stuff cool deal man All anything right. you want to add before we sign off who me no yeah I, I think i've embarrassed myself enough for yeah, cool. Yeah, I think we've I think we've done all the damage we need to do right now. Awesome. All right. Now I want to go listen to some Rush. Fuck yeah, dude! I'm gonna go put on uh, Fly by Night here in a minute. <laughs> I mean, all right, Steven. Well, th- thank you for joining us, Dave, aka Fruit Loop, aka Corn Dog, and uh, Corn Dog. We'll see what happens. I mean, at some point, I would like to have Corn Dog uh, 
work with my boy MC Fart Squirrel. You know? Oh yeah, Corn Dog's got some. Uh, he's Corn got... Dog's got some. Ry- oh dude, should we drop? Should we? Uh, should we like leak the little? Uh... Let leak leak is it, right? a bad leak is a bad <laughs> leak is a leak is an appropriate word because as the, as rumor has it, corn dog is in fact writing a rap about a, a poncho's dining experience. That's right, so I man. think corn dog is uh, uh, post poncho's leak is a very appropriate way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, we might want to just rename that song the post poncho leak. Post poncho's leak, yeah. Poncho. That's a that's a song leaking. that needs to be written. Oh, Mexican buffet. Raise the flag, right? It was, uh, you want to hear fucking poetry, man? Yeah, you want to hear poetry. I've heard, I've, I've, wi- I've heard some of the rhymes, and it's it's, uh, pretty, it's gold. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm pretty proud of of what I've written so far. But yeah, so corn dog, MC fart squirrel. We're gonna drop at some point one of the greatest, if not the greatest, fucking yeah rap. That's gonna have to win a Grammy. Period. Uh, just it's, gonna gonna it's, gonna, it's gonna win all the Grammys. It's gonna win all every single Grammy. Yeah, yeah. Like best country folk album. Post poncho. Man, have you heard post poncho? Kanye's gonna call us. Like, man, this this is more genius than me. <laughs> what? <laughs> so that and maybe one of these days, you know, you know, we'll have to uh, we'll have to to do a um a bonus pitchfork track on something nickel fabric. Fuck yes, dude, glory, and all of its glory. We'll, we'll, but we'll just combine all the titles, like the day the Green Demon met the nickel, nickel fabric in the dark tower of um, the Creep Show. When I because sometimes we wouldn't even write our own songs. I just hand Dave Skid Row lyrics and pretend they were mine, and he was like, "Man, these are awesome, awesome, dude!" I know because they're Skid Row lyrics. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I'll shut the fuck up, man. This was fun. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Thank you guys for the invite, man. We um. You know, I'm always around, man. Love to do, uh, love to do this again. All righty, cool deal. Mm, we'll right. Sign off. Thanks, y'all. Until until next time. Later. Take care. Mm-hmm.